What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Think Outside the Blue Box podcast. I'm Anthony Rivera. I'm the lead videographer and editor here at Blue Box Digital, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, this is a podcast about creative journeys, the hustlers, the entrepreneurs, the people that are out there just doing great things and, and following their dreams in hopes to help you to follow your dream. And today we have a special guest. Uh, joining me is the the host and uh, just the creative person behind uh, Successful Solutions podcast, Mr. Ian Tolson. Hey, buddy, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, so you you and I met uh, actually shooting one of one of my uh, one of my videos, one of my clients' videos. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, man, that was. A <laughs> How did you get involved in that, dude? I did not know what I was getting into. Let's start off with that. <laughs> <laughs> what What did he tell you? It was. Um, I think he said I need help with a project. Like that's probably the extent of what I knew. And then when I showed up, he's like, yeah, it's actually about a musician that caught doing a, got caught doing a lot of drugs and it has to do with that whole interaction with him and coming out on the social media networks and the news and everything. And I was like, this is magnificent. It was fantastic. (laughs) Like I, yeah, I, I, I hadn't gotten a chance to act in like a really long time. So that was so fun for me. Dude, I'll be honest. You you outshined him. <laughs> that was the problem. I was like, I'm watching this, and I'm like, I I don't know how he's gonna like. I hope I don't get a call. Like, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> They're like, can you send the other guy? No, that'd be bad. <laughs> you know, I I know you submitted this, but the other guy was better. So <laughs> that'd be so bad. <laughs> Maybe that's why he didn't call me back. Dick yeah. was like, I can't have him I on can't. anything else. He will outshine me every time. <laughs> no, no, you did you did great, man. It was it was a really good it was a fun shoot. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And I, I think he landed the job. The oh really? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Really. Cause I saw I knew he's been in other movies and stuff since. So like, that's awesome on him. Yeah. I actually saw him yesterday. Did you? Yeah, coincidentally. Yeah. I was like, hey, what's up? There's that guy. That's cool, yeah. <laughs> he keeps in touch. He, he stays in touch because he was actually in one of my short films that hasn't been released yet. So, hmm. yeah. So, that should be coming soon. Sick. Um, today's episode is brought to you by the official Blue Box Shop. That's right. We have awesome swag for you to rock out your Blue Box and support the show at the same time. Head over to shop.blueboxdigital.com or scan the QR code on your screen now to check out the latest designs. Whether you need a cozy hoodie, a cool iPhone case, a backpack, or a snazzy sticker, we've got you covered. But hurry because supplies are limited and they're going fast. We'll be dropping new designs frequently to keep the styles fresh, so get your favorite designs before they're gone. Head over to shop.blueboxdigital.com or scan the QR code on your screen and grab your gear today. You can also subscribe to Think Outside the Blue Box using the link below to get these episodes without ads and tons of exclusive content starting at only 99 cents a month. All the links are down in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. So tell me about you, man. Tell me, uh, uh, are you originally from Tampa? No, I'm originally from Montana. I'm technically a first-generation American. Most of my family is, actually, I think all my family is from Canada. And some of them live in the States now. And um, I, I'd say, like, I had a pretty, what's the word for it? I don't know, just different kind of upbringing. I went from this sheltered kid who was put on drugs at a pretty early age 
and it uh, was drugs. Yeah. Like I wasn't, I didn't choose these drugs. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I was basically being a kid. Like I didn't know, like I know a lot about studying and how to learn information now. And back then, I mean, like I, they don't teach this in schools. So they yeah. don't opt for like they, I don't think they know to know to look for this information. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was just having a hard time learning and the teachers weren't giving me the tools to learn. And so I don't think any school gives their kids the I tools agree. to learn. Right. So, I agree. so it's I'm kind of cookie cutter kind of environment. Yeah. It's yeah. like you, you, you have to conform to our identity. And if you're like, if we subdivided it into different things, like you have to be a monkey. And if you're not a monkey, then you're out and yeah, I'm not a fucking monkey. Not for you. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't fitting in the groove of being a monkey for like the entire time. And, um, I think they just got kind of fed up with it and they're like, you need to go talk to the principal. The principal is actually a psychiatrist as well, oh, which, wow. uh, which is whatever, like I don't have anything on it. Yeah. Um, and those, the principal slash psychiatrist looked at me and didn't even spend a lot of time thinking about who I am or, gave me any medical tests or anything, but immediately was like, you need to go get your son tested for some sort of di- quote unquote disease. And disease. Yeah, exactly. They're like, like he a has a disease. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The thing that blows me away is there's this guy named Gary Brecca that I listened to not too long ago. And he is, has been a human biologist for 31 years. Like that's a, like he basically mapped out people's identities of their physical makeup and could basically calculate how long they had to live. And he did that for insurance companies because the insurance companies need to know like, what, what are we investing our money into? So he got really good at it. And then he quit working that job because he's like, we need to give this information to the public so we can help them. And those companies were like, no. So he was like, well, I'm leaving then. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So stand up guy just right off the bat. And he basically explained that, the human body, DNA speaking, doesn't have a place for having ADHD, ADD, all these, met, like, there's these math disorders even. Like, there isn't an actual spot on the DNA strand to say, you have any of these things wrong with you. The thing you can have happen that he talks about is deficiencies in your body, like if you don't have enough, whatever hormones you have going on, if you don't have enough nutrients for your body to produce that, to produce that, then you are starting to get sad. You're starting to get anxiety, but like having depression as a disease isn't a thing, but no, but you, you, you can have low serotonin levels, you know, like the thing that makes you happy Mm -hmm. can be deficient. So basically what's happening is people are trying to treat a a side effect and giving them mind-altering drugs to fix a problem that isn't actually even trying to be solved by the drugs. Like, it it actually makes no sense is the fundamental thing, right? So here I am, like, in fourth grade, and I what's ironic about all of this, now that I realize it, is that as, like, a 10-year-old, I knew from my own mindset, I was like, you know, all I have to do is change my eating habits. If I just change my eating habits, then I don't need to take these drugs because the problem that you're telling me I have is that I am too hyperactive and I have too much energy, but you know what the actual problem is? Like, I'm like, this was, these are actually my thoughts as like a 10 year old is I'm like, 
the problem is I'm eating sugar. I'm eating processed food. That's the, that's the real issue that's going on here. I have, I'm having too much soda. So if I switch my eating habits to like eating almonds, bananas, and like meats and veggies, like that'll pretty much solve the You're problem. Good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. And I did that and I switched schools and I didn't take the drugs anymore, but get out of here. Yeah, seriously. You and it took was, yourself off of them. Yeah. I took my, I totally decided myself to <laughs> get off the drugs and it was At that young of an age. That's impressive, man. Oh, thanks. Usually you're, yeah, you're, <laughs> usually you're, you're not able to kind of put two and two together at mm. that age. And you're just kind of a slave to what your parents and your doctors kind of tell you mm-hmm. what's wrong with you. Yeah. That's, that's crazy, man. I know. Now that I think about it, I'm like, that's like nuts. Like if I had somebody yeah. else to me, I'd be like, what are you doing? <laughs> How old are you? Yeah, exactly. Like you're not supposed to be able to figure out what medical doctors are telling you. Like you just stop that. <laughs> you're taking my job away. <laughs> he was probably getting some sort of kickback for, for the drugs he was prescribing you though. Well, you, you, yes, probably. You know, I went to go see uh, our family doctor and it was interesting because it was like the, the family doctor, the school of the principal, um, and this all boiled down to my mother, like the, the pivoting point was my mother. Like my mother was the ultimate decision maker in the whole thing. And I don't blame her at all, to be honest anymore, because later on I found out it was two, like five adult figures versus her. And she doesn't really know what to do, but she's basically being threatened to kick, like the, the principal is threatening to kick me out of school if I don't take these drugs. Wow. So it's pretty not okay. Ironically, there's a bus that was in front of the house that I lived in, and there was two buses, and one of them went to the opposite school that would go by our house wow. every single day. <laughs> <laughs> and later on, she talked about it, and she's like, you know, I could have just put you on the different bus. Nice. <laughs> it would have been that hard. It would have solved everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it'll work, it worked out, I think, better in the long run for me personally because just it gave me some heavy setbacks that I don't think anybody could really say, hey, I want to make something more difficult. Show me growth. Like, I think personally that's what I was looking for. Like, I wanted to have a lot of growth as a person, but I wouldn't have communicated or have said or have pushed that idea out into others you know i've been into skateboarding and snowboarding since 1998 and like the progression levels that i went through went through were struggling to like get down the mountain to doing backflips 540s like on a snowboard and then like jumping 20 foot gaps on a skateboard like yeah like stuff like that and honestly like if everything i can do is like on the bottom leveled surface of the potential of what people in skateboarding can do. I'm just a little mind blown by my own like level of like progression. Yeah. Progression and getting in the way of others and like having all these issues. And honestly, I think it set me up for success because like pretty early on, I was like, I have to eat healthy so that I don't have these mind problems that these people think I have, you know, and then it just evolved more and more over time to the point where like, just to give you some perspective on this, I would, the, the after effects of those drugs went on for 20 or more years. Wow. Yeah. I had to pay like a lot of money in therapy to like <sighs> understand that what the drugs were doing to me mentally. Cause it wasn't just a I was having those things happen and I was, cause I thought the negative thoughts that I was having were, was me. And then after like so much therapy, I realized I was like, that was the drugs influence on me. Those thoughts aren't me. And that was a huge distinction difference because it really helped me understand and recognize the fact that I'm not 
the one having those thoughts, essentially. Like, it's just this influence of these drugs. And to be honest, it, the the drugs and the companies make it pretty well known that you're going to have these side effects. Yeah. But as a kid, like I wouldn't have known that, like I couldn't have been like, Oh, this, this thing is a side effect of this yeah. drug. No, I was <laughs> just like having a real rough go. <laughs> yeah, when, when something like that influences you without you even knowing subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And it's like, sometimes it does feel like it, it is you mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I don't, I've felt that. Wow. Yeah. What, uh, can I ask what happened for you? No, for me, it was, it was anxiety also. Like, mm. I, I've always suffered from anxiety. And, and when I was little, it was stigmatized. Like stigmatized people with anxiety, me. people with anxiety are just like hyperactive and, and you know, the stigma, the stigma. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. So I, I never sought any treatment or anything. I didn't even know it was anxiety until mm. my older age when I was an adult and I, I went in for, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. cause I was starting to, uh, it was starting to physically manifest itself, the stress and, and the, the anxiety and stuff. I was starting to have blackouts. I was starting to, uh, yeah, it was starting to affect me physically. You're having blackouts. Yeah. That's a pretty heavy statement. <laughs> like I would literally just wipe out for how long for maybe a couple minutes. And I would come what? back and be like, what just happened? Like ever driving or no, 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 oh, never okay, driving. That's good. Yeah, no, never driving. Um, but it started to worry me, man. Like I thought, yeah. like I, I eat good, uh, I, I exercise, I exercise at the time, and and everything was going well. And it was like, you know, I, I and I've always had some sort of medical issue that I never really could pinpoint. And it was it was that it was the anxiety. It was mm. it was starting to affect me physically. And you know, when I when I finally realized what it was, and I started to you know take actions to resolve that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when i started to figure out like wow my entire childhood i've felt this way and it, it i didn't have to whoa yeah <laughs> it, it was a real eye-opener for me because it, it, it held me back quite a bit because uh i remember i didn't even i almost didn't even graduate from high school because of it because uh, because of anxiety yeah because of uh, that and I, I didn't realize it was anxiety at the time it uh, was you know, it was the, the final exams of the whole, you know, my senior final exams. It was, it was that or no diploma. Like it was a lot of pressure. Oh, so you're like having stress over the, yes. oh, and so you're like, yes. Yeah, okay. so then I started feeling lightheaded and, and, uh, my mom took me to the doctor and it was like, uh, oh, maybe his, his sugar. It was, so they did a glucose test and, oh, maybe it's the cholesterol. I'm like, no, I was eating fine and mm-hmm. they couldn't figure it out. Mm. and come to find out later in my adult life that I've had anxiety my entire life. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And if I, if I would have treated it back then, who knows? Yeah. Who knows where where I'd be right now? Yeah. How did you start treating it? What was the thing that, cause I mean, this is going on for a long term. This isn't like five days. We're talking about years and years. What was your, when, like, how did it feel when you first figured that out? Like, you're like, Oh, I have anxiety. Like, cause that's like, I, I would have to assume that was like a pretty, like eye-opening moment at that point in time like when did you figure that out yeah it was it was crazy because I've always been shy I've always been reserved I've Mm -hmm. always been like internalize everything and when 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 I would have those kind of episodes it would always be like but okay what is it you know they, they would try to like try different things and try to figure out what it was and it was never what they were looking for mm and for me it was it was an eye-opening experience because it's like I finally could could treat it you know like i could i could finally i know what it is now i know what what take out caffeine like the the normal shit you do to to prevent anxiety so now it's like night and day man i bet (laughs) night and day that's incredible 
That's wild. I'm really happy for you. Yeah, and just listening to your story, man, it, it was like, it, it's almost a carbon copy. Of <laughs> 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 that's wild. Yeah. That's so cool. tell me, tell me, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, one, once you kind of figured out that at, at such a young age, like, well, where'd you go from there? Uh, I pretty much just switched my eating habits. That was the start of it, yeah. you know? Um, I think the, the thing that was hard was that in group culture of by group culture, I mean school, Mm -hmm. the other people in school, there was this running joke about the soccer team of if you drug tested the soccer team, you wouldn't have a soccer team. Oh shit. Like it was, it was pretty prevalent. Like I had other adult and, um, like other people that I was close to at that time who were doing drugs right in front of me. So I basically stopped taking the medication and then probably until I would say my junior or high school, I was off and I was doing pretty good. Like I feel like I was making progress going in the right direction. And then as soon as I started smoking weed, I took a pretty like it was it was gradual. But like if you consider the amount of time in comparison to everything that happened, it was pretty quick. Like my drop off was like progressively getting worse and worse and worse. And fortunately, I did graduate from school. But after I graduated high school, I I'd had a summer job that I was a, I was a skateboard instructor and out in California, and I loved it. I'm originally from Montana. And so I was out in California, and I did that, and I came back, and I did about a semester of school or whatever. And um, after that, I went out to a place called Missoula, Montana, and I just started doing heavier drugs. And that's where this sense of home – like I was basically living on the streets – I, I think there's a term homeless is like the more I think about it and I'm like homeless is like getting just like like you're going to shelters to sleep and you're going to food drives to eat food and you're you're begging for money and stuff like that. And I never really did that as much. Like I, I was never like a hardcore homeless person. I was just more like living on the streets. I was being super scrappy. Um, at some point there were times where I would meet people and they're like, can I buy you food? Like I looked, I looked, they, they would tell me, they're like, you look hungry. I was like, that's, (laughs) and I, after hearing that for, for, from a few people, I was like, this is not good. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I basically am living on the streets and in Montana more during like the winter time and also in Colorado during the winter time. And I was over in Telluride, which is not exactly a warm place. Like I remember sleeping outside and probably getting like four hours of sleep and waking up only having like uh, a few bed sheets on me and sleeping in abandoned buildings and, and waking up probably at like six in the morning because I am, I'm so cold. Wow. And we're talking even sleep. Yeah, I, so cold. exactly. And, and we're not just talking about I am so cold. Like it's it's like 50 degrees outside and I just can't manage it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'm more, like we're talking like 30 degrees, probably 25. Like we're talking about some pretty cold weather Stuff that goes down to your bones. Yeah, exactly. Like not easy. Like not like people in California are like, I can't handle it when it's 50 degrees outside. I'm like, bro, like, yeah, I don't think you get it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a little chilly for me. Yeah, exactly. So specifically that morning that I talked about where I was sleeping and it was super, it was pretty cold outside. I, the way I had to go and warm up was I, it was, nothing was open. I had to go find a public bus that was free and I had to get onto the bus. And like, I was still cold waking up for probably two hours. 
Like I just, yeah, it gets down to your core. It does. And so just dealing with that stuff and it was, it was, uh, I think it was honestly a good learning experience for me though. You know, I think if I had anything, it was that I suddenly became very resourceful because I had to, I had to, (laughs) I didn't have the, I would ask people, I was like, Hey, can I stay at your house? And they're like, no, that's awkward. So I wouldn't (laughs) dude. I remember this one time that I had this chick who coincidentally got my phone number. I don't know how she got my phone number either because she texted me at like, I don't know, like, 2 p.m., let's say, and I'm in Colorado. And she's like, hey, you should come out to Telluride. You can stay at my place, and we can have a good night. And I was like, sick. That sounds dope. Like, I'm down. Nice. And um, I left all my sleeping equipment, and I it took me four hours to get there. I call this chick. We meet up. And she's like, oh, you're not the right person. And then get she dipped. out of here. And I was like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Just traveled four <laughs> hours to get here. And I have no way, but I can't hitchhike back at this point. Holy crap. But fortunately, there was this thing called the free box that was in town. And this is when my ability to start being resourceful really came into play. I had, I, I had to figure it out. And I said, okay, I don't have anything. I don't have anyone. I'm totally left to figure this out by myself. I can't call anybody. I can't call home. You know, my phone's dead at this point. No hotlines. I have no hotlines. I can't call the, the bring me a blanket hotline. (laughs) 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 So I had to start really thinking about it. And I was like, you know what? There is a free box. What's at the free box? You know, let's go over there. Cause this was a pretty affluent town. Yeah. And so I go over there. I'm like, well, there's a beanbag chair. There's a couple of blank, There's like a couple of like sheets. There's like something like this all looks like stuff that can keep me somewhat warm. I'm going to take it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I go to a place that's like, I remember sleeping in an abandoned building one night in that town. And then the other night, cause I was sketched out about doing that though. Cause I'm like, if I get caught, like I'm going to jail, man. I don't want to do that. So I figured out that I had to go into, into the woods essentially, which was not too far for that town. I basically just had to saddle up for night and just bear through it. And fortunately wow. I got some sleep, you know, but yeah, man. So I basically went through living. Did you ever, did you ever think about getting arrested on purpose to kind of have a roof no, over your head ne- for one night? No, to be honest with you, that never really crossed my path or really? like, yeah, I think I, I honestly, I had this, uh, I've always tried to avoid getting in, like getting in trouble wasn't something that was on my to-do list ever. Even if there was some benefit for it, I was just kind of like, I'll just avoid doing the thing and figure out a solution so that doesn't happen. I was always more for that, but no, that's a good, I've heard people doing that before. Just be like, I'm drinking in public. (laughs) (laughs) I can't handle it anymore. Like I could probably get a bit. Like I honestly remember one time I got pulled over in Denver. This was like several years later when I had a car and, um, the guy pulled me over and he, he spent probably an hour trying to get me to admit that I was drinking or something. And he like gave me the breathalyzer just so he could take me in. And like, I don't know what happens, but when I get tired, I just start acting drunk. (laughs) 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 You had another police officer show up just to be like, there's this guy. They're like, we don't know what you're on, but stop doing it. I'm on lack of sleep, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's, I was just really sufficient right now. That's crazy. So he was trying to like almost entrap you into. Like, oh, they were had, trying to get me. Yeah, oh, yeah. maybe he had a quota to meet that night. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's end of the month. 
I can't. I, I got to get one more person. <laughs> this guy's the one. He's like, no, he's not. Dang it. Go bust somebody else. That's wild, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's just getting more on track. So like did the uh, living on, on the streets thing. How long did that last? I think it lasted. Good question. I think it was like six to eight months. I did that wow. in total. So I basically spent almost a year, like less than a year, sleeping on the streets. And uh, it was cool, man. Honestly, it wasn't like a depressing thing for me at all because I was fairly sheltered growing up. It was actually probably one of the most enlightening and free experiences I had. I didn't have to be anywhere. I didn't have to do anything. I owned nothing to no one. It's true freedom. Uh, yeah. Almost. It, it was like the, the most pure essence of, of freedom that I could have ever have wanted or wished for, you know? And I had like a slew of friends that I would hang out with and sometimes I'd couch surf and they'd have me at their parties nice. and yeah, drugs were great at that time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but no, in long term, I would definitely not suggest doing drugs. They're like a roller coaster ride that starts like it, you go up and then you go really far down and then you just stay down. It's yeah. not like a good boxing match at all. It's, it's yeah. not drugs. Once win. you crash, you're, you're yeah. crashed. Yeah. The, yeah. the drugs win always. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, did that for like six or eight months and came back and was, the, was the drugs the reason why you you became homeless? Like what, 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 how did that go about? You know, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that. I think the, the drugs were made it hard for me to see what was actually occurring. Like the Ritalin was a set off because when I got put on Ritalin, I wasn't eating as much. I was getting super argumentative. It, like the way I like to refer to it is if it, I don't know if you've ever seen the curious case of Benjamin Button, mm -hmm. but it's basically like, I felt like I was going through early signs of like Alzheimer's. Like if you've ever seen that movie, if anybody watches that movie and you watch the scenes where he's getting snappy and like someone tries to talk to him and he just like, just, he just gets really yeah. mad at other people for no reason. I hope that wasn't too loud. No, no. <laughs> um, but I felt like, that's what I was acting like, you know, like, and, and that's what it felt like I was going through because I was, I was having memory problems to the point where someone would say, like, I would talk to somebody like, Hey, how was your weekend? And probably a minute would go by and I would have forgotten that I had asked that question Oh shit! and I would re-ask this same question. And the only way like I, dementia exactly. <laughs> and, and the only way I figured out that I had re asked the same question is based off of the reaction they had. And then I would ask them, I was like, did, did I, I just ask, ask that? you that same question? Yeah. They're like, yeah. And they're like, look at me like it was weird. Like, wow. yeah. And that went you're on for crazy. Bro. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> they're like, you're nuts, man. And I'm like, I don't know what to do about this. Like, and so that's well, where I, I am. Nuts. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> and so, um, that type, that simple idea, that one little concept went on for years. Like it caused me, it actually, the drugs caused me a learn, like before I started doing street drugs, the, the medical drugs that they put me on were causing me these set mental setbacks actually causing learning problems to occur, causing stress, anxiety, depression, like super negative thoughts. Like, and it honestly, it's still like I, now that we're talking about this more, I'm like, I can see where it's still affecting my life, like in a negative way. We're talking about something that someone years. told me to take back in like, so like more than 20 years ago that I still see affecting my life today. Wow. Crazy. Wild. Yeah. And it's like, honestly, it, it's kind of like people, the people who want to go farther in their life and, and are pushing against these mental boundaries and barriers and stuff like that. It's 
so much more tied to all you have to do is find solutions, look for solutions. That's the real basic thing that all you're doing. That's all I was doing for like years. Like that's all I've been doing for the majority of my life is like, I, I struggled to get through school. I struggled to get along with people. I struck like the moment where I was like, Oh, I'm getting along with people was like 15 years after I was on drugs. Like after, wow. after the experience of being on drugs, I'm like, wow, I'm actually starting to have like these genuine, open, nice conversations with people and I'm not arguing anymore. Like nice. I'm, I'm not arguing with them. I'm not causing, I'm not, snappy. I'm not yeah. snapping at them. I'm not doing these things that are causing these really upset, like I'm not causing these upsetting things to occur as much, wow. you know? So I'm, I'm basically spending 15 to 20 years of my life trying to reach everyone else's what I can perceive is ground zero. I see other people succeeding in class. I see other people who are just seem like flawlessly doing life. And I'm over here like, I hate what are all they doing of, yeah. wrong? <laughs> I'm like, I hate all of you so much right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. There was one post on LinkedIn that I saw a while ago and it really resonated with me. And it was, um, this one person on crutches with a broken, you could, it was like an, it was like, um, a sketch, right? It's like an animated picture. This kid who has crutches on a, he has a broken leg and you can tell he's doing his best to be on a racetrack and go as far as he can. Like you can tell he's like sweating. He's like, I'm going, I'm going in that direction. Yeah, exactly. And I always felt like that. And, and on the side, there were these other kids who there was nothing wrong with them. They were completely fine. Their body, like you could see that they were just like having a nice little pleasant conversation. And the caption revolved around the, the idea of even as, if you're worse off, you're doing more than those who are not trying. And that hit me so hard because I've, I, like I've, I felt like I've spent the majority of my life doing that. And I feel like I was never getting anywhere doing it. I was just trying to get to that point where I felt like normal everywhere everyone else was at. I wasn't even trying to succeed. I was just trying to get to point A. (laughs) But the cool thing about it is as time has gone on, the it's actually been as soon as I moved to Florida, like everything clicked, everything snapped, everything started to go. Like I was if you, if anybody's ever read James Clear's um, Atomic Habits, there's this thing called the Valley of Depression, and you have what looks like this idea of what su- success is supposed to be, and it's basically a straight line. I wanted to walk that straight line. The straight line was not there for me. No, <laughs> <laughs> because what success looks like is you start at a higher point actually, because you're like, oh, this is where I want to be at. This is where I want to go to, and I want to walk in that direction. But what actually happens is you basically hit this roller coaster where you're like, I'm going down immediately. I'm going actually way, way further down. I'm, I'm finding out how hard I suck at this. That's how, that's where really where you start. That's yeah. like the reality of it. You know, it's kind of like you're planting a seed and the seeds having a hard time growing. The seed isn't able to just turn into a tree tomorrow. You know, you're, you're at it's this struggle. Point, yeah, yeah. It's a struggle. The, the tree has to grow. Like it takes time. And what I find in that analogy is that the people who are trying to turn into the tree tomorrow are running at full sprint as hard as they can. And they're pushing people out of the way and they're hitting their head against the wall and they're not there. And then they get frustrated and then they quit and they didn't even give their tree the chance 
to grow, to grow, to, to sprout, to have limbs. And I feel like as myself, I, I basically just kept watering myself, kept watering myself, kept watering myself, doing that for years and years and years. I kept trying to grow. I kept trying to figure out different solutions. I kept learning new information. I was just so frustrated with it the entire time. But now in these last few years, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm like the tree now. Like that, that thing that I was reaching for, that place that I wanted to be at, that thing that I was really wanting the entire time, 15 years ago, oh, I, I like I realized that like I realized that probably about a month ago. I'm like I'm I'm here. I'm You're there. I'm at that tree. Everything else is just turning more into like I'm just expanding my roots and nice. I'm just continuing to grow and p- put my branches out further and life is life is super good right that's now. That's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy for you, dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's was- awesome. Today's episode is brought to you by NordVPN. NordVPN is the best way to protect your online privacy and security. I know you've heard it a million times. I'm going to tell you again because it's true. Whether you're browsing the web on a public Wi-Fi, streaming your favorite shows at the airport, or working from home, NordVPN is crucial. It encrypts your data and lets you access over 5,000 servers in 60 countries and is rated one of the fastest VPNs on the market. You can even connect up to six devices at once with one account. And the best part is, listeners of the show can now get 63% off plus three free months. Just head over to nord.blueboxdigital.com and use the promo code BLUEBOX to get the special discount. You can also subscribe to Think Outside the Blue Box using a link below to get these episodes without ads and tons of exclusive content starting at only 99 cents a month. All the links are down in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. Do you think that you, you kind of went towards the drugs to kind of cope with that feeling no. that you're not normal? No. No, no, no. I think that I was actually using, I was really into skating at that point in time. And for whatever reason, I, well, I think what it was is I had an influence of friends and this is going back to basically habits mm-hmm. because the, the friends that you have, you're, you're being pulled invisibly towards that direction. Right. And I have a school system that a lot of people are doing drugs in schools. I have family members that are doing drugs in front of me. I'm with a group of skateboarder people that I'm wanting to be a part of and want to be in the group. And all three of those things are leading to, oh, I should also do drugs. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to do drugs because I'm going to want to get better at skateboarding. I'm using it as a tool to increase my abilities. And ironically, wow. but ironically, that's, <laughs> yeah. it worked. <laughs> that was the problem. Nice. Yeah. I got like, because what happened is I was dealing with all this stress, anxiety, and tension from the Ritalin that smoking weed mellowed me out enough to the point where I'm like, oh, this is incredible i can i can actually do stuff now. <laughs> yeah like am i because my, the i don't know why it happened but like when i when i smoked weed for the first time like i lost so much balance and coordination like oh, an shit. incredible amount an incredible like i couldn't like i'm i'm a skateboarder who can jump down and like eight steps of stairs no problem like before smoking weed the first time. And then after smoking weed for like the, for the first time, I can't stand on my board without falling off. Like just standing on my board. Like I have so much like balance focus that I don't even have that I normally do. But after I was able to compensate for that, it was like, Oh, game on, you know, like some of the, some of the hardest things that I was hitting skating wise was actually really a hard time because of the anxiety and stress. I already have a problem of anxiety and stress that I'm dealing mm-hmm. with and depression and everything, but trying to 
skate something where I'm looking at an eight foot, 10 foot, 12 foot drop on top of it is terrifying. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm there's I, anybody who wants to type. I couldn't do what you do. No, man. It's, it's <laughs> like, I, I had to stop too. Cause I was getting too injured. If oh, anybody shit. wants to look up Ian Tolson, Woodward West, you'll see some of the things that I'm talking about. The opening clip is me going down this. It, it's like, I think it's at least an eight or a f- 10 foot drop. And I, all I do is Ollie or jump off the top of this thing into a bank. That's a like a 45 degree angled bank. We're talking about an eight foot drop to a 45 degree angled bank. Like not like just like, Hey, I'm going and it's like, I'm hitting flat. I'm like going in as if it was almost not completely vertical, but like, we're, we're talking pretty, it's a lot of forces. It's a little, work exactly. Here. And so I landed that and I got on footage and that was, that was a highlight of my life. <laughs> Honestly, skateboarding was like the best, I would say is such a good high for me. It's therapeutic. I've, oh, I've heard that from people. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. No, that, it's, it's interesting that you say that about the weed, man. Cause what, what do you think it was the mixture between Ritalin and weed that kind of did that? Cause for me, Mm-hmm. weed is the only thing that kind of balances me out mm-hmm. <laughs> with, with anxiety and stuff. Cause okay. in the beginning they, they put me on something. Yeah. I forget what it was. And, uh, like you said, there was just side effects mm-hmm. that were just happening. And I thought this is just part of it. Right. Yeah. So then when I realized that it wasn't supposed to be part of it, they tried another one and then we just kept kind of bouncing around. And as soon as I tried weed, man, it was like, night and day oh. it was night and day it quieted everything like the yeah. whole the whole audience was was nice was and quiet out, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then i was actually able to you know concentrate mm-hmm. and not black out and not you know <laughs> i would use it as a source to chill me out and um after a certain point in time i think the thing that that really did it is taking b1 um and vitamin C, I don't know why, but if you mix those two vitamins together, it does something where the, the where the the images and like the anxiety and the stress, like it released for me. That's what I used. And then going for walks, like doing fall, f- like swimming, doing an outdoor activity where I'm just like out of my mind, literally not like because that's the part of the problem that I, that I would experience is if I'm doing stuff that's too close to my hands, like if I'm, cause I, I, I've done a lot of like, like physical labor in my life. And the, the times that I have spent doing too much stuff where I'm doing too much physical labor, like I've done welding, for example, welding is a good example of this times that I've done too much welding and I'm just like doing and spending an excessive amount of time that being in front of computers and stuff like that. I'm just talking in general for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that caught that would, and I would get all these other thoughts and stuff and it cause this anxiety And whenever I would start going for walks, we're talking 10 minute walks, 20 minute, excuse me, 20 minute walks, like hour long walks. I've gone to, gone on to five hour long walks before. And like, honestly, the longer the walk, the better I feel afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the thing that I wanted the, the drugs and the other things to solve, like came from that from going on the walks, taking B1 and vitamin C is a combination of things. I'm very thankful for it. Like yeah. I, I am totally happy with what everybody honestly wants to do because I feel like there's actually a very small amount of solutions out there in the world. Very few people are like, here's an actual solution to this problem. Here's an actual solution to this problem. Oh, you honestly, and this occurs is there's medical doctors who give you a, a what it's called, um, something like a serotonin suppressant, 
which basically the drug is what it's supposed to do is I don't serotonin is just like a hormone in your body. Yeah. And, and what the drug does is it's supposed to eat. I don't know how this is supposed to work, but it's supposed to even out the levels of serotonin you have in your body to make you feel better. But the problem with that is you just don't have enough serotonin. If you're lacking deficiency in serotonin, the solution isn't trying to level out the amount of serotonin you have. The solution is to give you things that increase the amount of serotonin (laughs) you have because the drug isn't going to say, and like I've heard kids talk about this stuff. Like how does the Advil solve know to go to my foot? It doesn't. You're ingesting a drug that is numbing your entire body or at least your brain well enough to the point where it's like, oh, you don't feel it anymore. My, I don't feel it anymore. And that's not, in my opinion, the real solution. Yeah, no, no, that's just masking the 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 symptom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I feel as though society does a complete lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Just like, here, we have a band-aid for that. We have a nice pretty band-aid over here for that. We have we have this beautiful band-aid for that one. <laughs> that's what I think. That's what I think the medical industry has turned into, man. Mm-hmm. It's just patching. Yeah. Just just kind of dealing with the, the symptom and not really getting to the root cause of the problem. I agree. Because you. there's more money in the, in the treatment. There's more money in the mm. drugs. So mm. that's why I was asking you earlier, if, if your doctor was getting a kickback, because I, I had a, an experience ah. like that when I first got on, on uh, anxiety medication, uh, the name of the, the drug, I can't even remember what it was anymore. Uh, well, me and my mom were talking about it and she's like, well, he gave me that too, but for a different thing. Mm. So it was like, Okay, there's something wrong here. <laughs> like, I, I know that, um, you know, the, you go to the doctor and they prescribe you something, but when they're prescribing the same exact drug for multiple different things to mm. different people, that kind of tells me, like, they're doing it for a reason. They're, mm. not e- they're not interested in solving your problem. They're interested in, in cashing that check. Wow. And that's when I kind of dropped that. You, so you had that experience and you realized that was mm-hmm. going on. That's impressive. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. the, 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 the drug that he was trying to put me on is one of those that you can't stop taking. Like, if you stop taking it, you can have seizures and you can, you can die. Like, what? Yeah. That's, see, that's sketchy. So I started, <laughs> yeah, I started doing some research on it, and, and very, very few doctors actually use that to treat anxiety. So I, I knew that he was getting some sort of kickback, uh, okay. and, and so he prescribes that to everybody. He prescribed that to all his patients. So uh, not only did I change my doctor, but... <laughs> <laughs> you didn't take that drug. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't take the drug. <laughs> That's awesome yeah. that you figured that out yeah. and were able to be like, nope. Yeah, because if it wasn't for my mom taking the exact same medication uh, and, and having that conversation, I would have never known. I would have just kept taking it. And, wow. You know, kept going back to him. Hey, I need a refill. And There's life. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, I'd still be taking it probably. That's probably a lot of people's stories. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you're doing better. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, no, life is good. I'm glad you're doing better too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we've been through stuff, man. For sure. It's not a, uh, I don't know, man. It's just interesting. I think life is just this open-ended book of problem, solution, problem, solution, problem, solution. And after a while, like, I have found that it's been becoming more fun. Like, the problems that I was dealing with in the past are actually, like, not existent anymore. And I, I basically still get problems. You know, I still have things that come up in my life. But after a certain point in time, I'm like, this is actually becoming fun. Like, I'm not I'm not like, oh, I have a problem. It's like you're trying to figure out how to solve it yeah. or how to get around it. Yeah, that's I got, the fun part. It is. Like, I got a puzzle and I got the pieces yeah. and I know what puzzle piece fits in which place. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to keep, you know, and I'm, like, basically going back to that idea of the tree analogy. You know, it's like I got my puzzle of a tree here. 
and I, I know which one to make, and then I'm going to finish doing that puzzle, and I'm going to make a new puzzle. And nice. I'm going to start with the border, and I'm like, ah, this is the direction yeah. we're going. <laughs> That's exciting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and li like you said, life is pretty much just a sequence of problems that you just have to find a solution for. Mm -hmm. The thing I like about it, too, is I was reading something the, the other day that was along the lines of if you're having a problem, the thing to do with it is to keep looking at the problem, not like excess over the problem, but just day by day, like, okay, how, what solution can I find for that? What, what can I do about that? What can I do? You know, yeah, see what works, see what yeah, doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and by trial and error, you'll, you'll kind of figure it out and say, oh, you know, this will work better from this. The, the thing that I think what keeps people back sometimes is this idea of it has to be perfect. You know, but the, but the problem is you you don't know what will work until you start trying you try it. different yeah. things. And my suggestion when you're working with people in general is just to be nice about it. Like if you're having a problem with a person, then screaming at them isn't really going to solve. No. It's just that's just going to create another problem. Yeah. So if you can just like talk with them kindly and just be like, OK, so what's going on? Like, honestly, what I have found just from going back to this idea of homeless to homeowner, I've started to rent out my house is the one thing that's helped me out the most is to understand the other person's viewpoint before I start talking because the problem might not even exist if I just discuss what's going on for them. And I might not even need to say, this is the right handling for this. We need to do a, B and C. Cause I've done that and yeah. I've been real aggressive about it and it's been unpleasant for both that person and for me. Cause <laughs> I'm like, you. yeah, me, for, I mean for them too. Cause I'm being like, man, you can't, uh, yeah. you know, but after, after a certain point I realized I was like, you know, the, the thing that actually works best is if I just understand and think with what they are experiencing, because maybe they just had a bad day. Maybe they broke up with someone, maybe they, someone did something to them that they didn't like, you know, and, and, or they didn't know that they were supposed to do a certain thing. They had a different understanding or a different idea of what a, a B and C was. And my idea of A, B and C is this. And being the homeowner, it's kind of says what I go, you know, yeah. I mean, realistically, yeah. that's part of the, the thing. And for them, sometimes A, B and C isn't the same thing. Even if I've talked with them, even if they've signed a, contra a legal contract yeah. <laughs> saying we agree on A, B, and C, I then have to sometimes go back to them and be like, okay, what, what's going on? Like, why, why is this thing occurring? I've observed this, but I need help to understand where you're coming from. Because me being assertive and aggressive, like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't create a solution. It causes a problem. Me understanding their viewpoint, why they're thinking the way they're thinking, un helps me understand what they're going on, and then I can correctly communicate. I'm like, okay, through their eyes, to, through their eyes, exactly. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I can see through their eyes what they're experiencing, and I can say, okay, well, I understand you think A, B, and C, but we we have to like get onto the same page about this thing, and however that happens is fine, but we need we need to work together. Is really what it like starts originating in uh -oh. communication. How did you get from being homeless to being a homeowner? Let's start there. Yeah, it took more than 10 years. I mean, like I said, I was so you were homeless for 10 years. No, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, it took 10 years for me to be homeless and then get to homeowner. Gotcha. I was 
struggling through the homeless thing, I could always work. Like I, I was, I, I wasn't like someone that I, I wasn't getting fired consistently from jobs. Like I was probably actually the mm-hmm. one more being like, I'm out. Yeah. Um, so I, I did, I worked for various, like I, I, I could get a job. I could maintain a job, but I would always kind of run into problems where I was getting argumentative at work and I was always feel threatened that I was going to lose my job over this. And like, I'd make mistakes cause I would forget things. So we're having mem- like the, these pr- the same problems same that I'm having <laughs> is bleeding into my work life and people don't like working around me too much. Then that becomes, we don't like working with you and that becomes, we don't want you here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. for me, I had to, to figure out getting to that level zero. And I went through various um, educational programs um, after I um, became homeless I went and got a job when I'm, so I was homeless in Colorado, essentially. I moved back to Montana. Um, I, I pretty much went from being homeless to living in a tent. I was slightly better. Wow. <laughs> but what's interesting about it is on a, in a long-term trend, going back to this idea of being the, you're, you're starting at this ground level, um, watering the tree that you want to turn into and everything, going from homeless to, or living on the streets to living in a tent is like I was watering that tree a little bit. Cause in my mind, I had a lot of expectations for myself. I was pressuring myself to perform and to be at a level that I needed myself to be at. It wasn't like I was under anybody else's influence, but mine, you know what I mean? And after I became a person who lived in a tent in the backyard of my friend's house, um, which is go- going slightly in the right direction. That's the key point here, slightly in the right direction. I got a job and I was a dishwasher and I held the job and I lived in my tent and that worked for the summertime. Nice. <laughs> and then winter came around and I had to move into a house. Yeah. <laughs> but that's going in the right direction, yeah. right? So I'm going, I'm living in a house. And then um, I get- uh, You're renting at that point? Or you're just living No, with, I'm with just living people? in a house. I'm actually not renting. Like I, I throughout that year, I didn't- I didn't spend money on rent. I saved a lot. I, I tried to save a lot of money. Um, and that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I stay busy with different things. And, um, and then I had, fortunately, um, I had someone take me to a life coach. Or I, there was kind of talk of like, what are you going to do with your life, essentially, is what it is. And fortunately, I talked to the right person there said, you know what, you should look into going into this one government program where it's an education and you can learn a trade, you can learn a skill. Because I never wanted to go to college. College was always just like, you better go to college. And I was just yeah, like, if you struggled with, with high school, I mean, yeah. I could just imagine what college would have been like. <laughs> exactly. Jesus. Uh-huh. And so I didn't want to go to college and the call the program was perfect. Cause they, they said, you're going to get it. Uh, you're going to get an education in this thing and you can basically use it to pay your bills. And I was like, okay, great. That sounds wow. good to me. So that's the next step in the right direction. So I go into Utah. I'm leaving Montana now I'm quitting my dishwasher job, living in a tent. And I go into this government run facility where I have a, I have an, a bed in a warm room nice. and as much food as I want to eat. Nice. <laughs> no longer looking hungry. That's a perk. <laughs> nice. No longer looking hungry. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got through the program and I completed that. I learned uh, if I say laying bricks, like if anyone thinks of a brick wall, mm-hmm. I can, I can do that. It's a little piece at a time. <laughs> One yeah. piece at a time. Exactly. So going in the right direction and learn how to do that. And from there I was wanting to continue my education. So I moved out to back to Colorado 
And I picked up welding again. I took welding in high school and then I said, I want to continue doing welding. It honestly happened because I was looking at a job, um, a job application and right next to bricklayer, I don't even know if this was intentional or not, but they had bricklayer and right underneath it, they had welder. Nice. And for, and for whatever reason I connected the dots and I was like, Oh, if, cause I wasn't finding any bricklaying jobs was the problem. And so for whatever reason, there was welder right underneath it. And I was like, maybe if I'm a welder, I can also be a bricklayer. Like I, the logic yeah. actually makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. But fortunately, those two words were right next to each other. It was a sign. <laughs> it was a sign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And then I went to go do a different job, which is welding, but more known as ironworking. It's an iron worker is if the term isn't making sense it's if anyone thinks of like the 50 story buildings in new york those 50 story buildings were made by iron workers the the people that they see back in the 50s walking on iron beams because they were sitting on the beams and yep yeah exactly like <laughs> and being 50 stories up not being not having any safety equipment a lot has changed yeah. since then um yeah but uh yeah they uh they used to call them iron cowboys because they would they would literally get onto a piece of iron that probably weighed a thousand pounds and get lifted up by a crane without any safety protection wow. and be taken up like 50, how many 50 of 60s stairs. of stories high. And then they would put this piece of iron in place. And it's known as the, I, th- I looked it up one time. It's recorded as being in the top 10 most dangerous jobs. I think it's in the sixth. Jesus. It's like, right. It's like fourth is police officer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> And then iron worker. <laughs> yeah, right next to it. So I had a lot of fun experiences that I was probably looking for. You know, I mean, wow. I remember walking on, if anybody can think of the idea of uh, two inches, if you put that idea in your mind, two inches, there was a beam that was two inches. And I walked across a two inch beam, probably about six feet, uh, four stories high. And there wasn't a way to tie off or use safety equipment. And it was just kind of expected. You were just supposed to be, everybody else just had to do it because they're like, well, we can't do it. So we can't like tie off to this thing. We can't like put the safety equipment on for this thing. So I just had to walk across these two inch beams that were several stories high. I remember one moment in particular that really shocked me (laughs) that uh, the foreman that had been doing the job for more than 10 years saw me get up. It was a, it was a square beam, but it was rounded on the sides. It, It had to have been less than six inches wide i probably had about 20 to 25 pounds of tools on my body jesus and this thing is to the point where i i can't really tie off and if i fall i'm falling and tying off basically means that you have a piece of safety equipment that's wrapped around a piece of metal that prevents you from falling and getting hurt. And I think I had, I think I had some mechanism where I was tied off, but like the worst thing about heights isn't the height, it's the falling. Yeah. And so I'm tied, I'm probably tied off, but I'm, I'm probably, I, I'd say four stories up and each side to my left and to the right is a fall zone. And Initially, I was sitting on this beam between my legs. Like, we're not talking about a wide beam here. We're talking six inches, you know, like pretty small object, realistically speaking. And I... Just barely bigger than your foot. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. (laughs) And so I, I use the beam to push my leg, my back leg up far enough to put my back foot on it. 
And then I push my body up the rest of the way to put my other foot on top of the beam. And then I very carefully walked off of this thing and got off of it. Get out of here. And the guy who was watching me, who was actually my good friend, he saw that and he said, bro, I wouldn't have done that. (laughs) And he's been doing it for more than 10 years here. Wow. Yeah. But what was really cool about that entire experience, the thing I loved about it is I went from being probably one of the most ignorant people on the entire job site that was like, Ian, you didn't remember to do this. Ian, you're doing this wrong. Like I should have been fired a long time. Like oh, I should have been fired a long time ago, but somehow I'm showing up. You're still there. I'm still there and I'm showing up <laughs> and I'm not going to let this go. Um, by the end of that year, I was talking to the foreman who were working on the job and I, these, and let's keep in mind, these people have been doing this t- plus 10 years. I'm first year. Wow. I'm an apprentice. Like You're just getting started. I'm just getting started. And the guy who is putting this beam in place was like, okay, so we have to measure the beam. We have to cut it at this length. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> you have to cut it at this length because you have to also realize the other beam is also has this amount of width on it so you have to uh, calculate that you have to compensate for that to make sure that this thing is this length so you have to cut it here not here and you and what was weird about it the the the, he didn't even say anything but he's like oh yeah you're right like that was that was the extent of the communication on that (laughs) but just to go to that point where you're like the most ignorant person on the job site where you should have been fired (laughs) like day three to instructing a, a guy doing a the guy cutting. who's been doing it for long, way longer than you, <laughs> wow. saying, "Hey, you got to do A, B, and C because you have to pay attention to these things," and is is like was a really mind blowing experience for me because I'm like, "What?" There's that progression again. Yeah. But I wasn't even at the end of it for me. That was just the beginning. Like yeah. I, I was like a stub at that point. I was like a small. I was like a, I was a little guy. I was yeah. a little tree at that point. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going in the right direction. So. Dude, and how long did you do that for? I did it for a year. I dislocated my arm before I got into ironworking and from skateboarding. Nice. And uh, yeah, went to the doctors twice where I was like, just knock me out and pop it back into place because I don't want to deal with this. The I don't, don't want to yeah. deal with the pain. Oof. Yeah. And the, after the second visit, I went to them. I was like, how do you pop it back into place yourself? That was the question I asked them. They're like, oh, oh you just got to do A, B, and C. And I was like, cool. All right. <laughs> I don't need to come back here. Wow. And for a year, I popped my old, own shoulder back in place once a month. Jesus Christ. It was the most painful. <laughs> Dislo- arm doing? dislocations are the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my I can entire imagine. life. It's like the, and I think it was because the first one was the most painful. My arm was out of socket for at least two and a half, if not three hours. Because I was at the skate park. I was also drinking. I was at the skate park. Yeah, this was like, no, that, that was actually probably the reason (laughs) (laughs) that I, that I did that because it wasn't like I was doing some crazy, like outside of the norm of my normal band of tricks. You know, I, I was doing this trick. I was going backwards on a skateboard which like there's the normal way you go and then there's called switch and switch is basically riding it the opposite direction you normally go. And I do this trick on this ramp and then I come down and I basically do a cartwheel in the air, but it's like my, my board completely sw- goes as fast away as for me as possible. I can imagine my legs go up in the air and I'm trying to catch myself so I put my hand on the ground while my it's legs, reflex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and my legs are already up in the air, and I basically did a full cartwheel 
if you think about it, it with one hand, and then my sh- and it was just enough force and pressure to pop it out of place. And I was at the skate park, and the people at the skate park were nice enough to drive me back to the government program that I was wow. at. <laughs> and and I, now looking back upon it, I, I think this is funny because you can get kicked out for drinking. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I was off-site drinking. Wow. <laughs> and, and then I come back on site, and all they did at the, at the medical treatment area of the, of the government program, they're like, well, you got to go to the hospital. So I go all the way to the hospital, and I just had a, a real rough time. And the reason why, though, is because if you look at the, the basic idea of what's going on is you're taking your muscles and tendons, and they're kind of like rubber bands, and you're, you're stretching them. You're basically ripping them apart as much as possible. That's what's enabling your shoulder to stay out of place to begin with. And then you pop it back into place. But the, the problem that happens is that that rubber band never goes back to the original position it was in. I was going to say, it's easier to dislocate it after you've already done it once. Yep. So yeah. after that, it just started. I, I, and I didn't have any idea or comprehension of what this meant for the rest of my life. All I knew is that, oh, I dislocated my arm once. And then I just... Dis- pop it back. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll just pop it back in place. But then it happened again. I'm like, what? <laughs> And same then shoulder. I, same, yeah, same yeah. shoulder every time. I've never dislocated any. I've never. Ironically enough, I've never broken any other bone in my body. I've never had any other dislocations. I mean, you'd think <laughs> that with the amount of experience I have, being a bike messenger and almost getting hit, actually getting run over. My left leg got ran over by a twelve thousand pound trailer. And I somehow did not break any bones. Dude. Like, it's crazy, right? Holy I'm like an, I'm like an X Man. Yeah, <laughs> you're superhuman. <laughs> was like, I gotta a, study you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's <a> reflex. Yeah. <laughs> reflex man. No, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so after you dislocate your arm the first time, it just happens once. After that, after that, after that, um, I dislocated my arm uh, twelve times once a year, and then I did iron working for an entire year. And it was also about the same time I started working uh, with this nonprofit. I was helping them out like at least 40 hours a week, like on top of, of working in addition to this. So I'm working basically 80 hours a week, wow. which was awesome. They pointed me, I would say, in the right direction because they were the, the leading people to say like, okay, you need to shift your life in this direction now. You just and give you a nice little shove in ex- that direction. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like the, the, the groups and peoples that I was around with growing up were like, hey, we this is what we do, you know, like we're drinking, we're doing drugs, doing we're, drugs, we're doing yeah. everything, you know, and this new group of people that I was getting around, we weren't doing any of that stuff. So I was actually going in a really good direction. Like they're like, I, I don't even talk about sobriety or like not using drugs or smoking cigarettes and stuff. Like it was like, it was such a part of my life. I'm so affected. I go to Amy. Like I don't, I didn't do any yeah. of that stuff. I just got around the right people and I was like, I'm going to conform to the group. That's it. Yeah. That was all. I didn't, I didn't need to be around like the victim mentality or anything, but, um, to, to get back onto your, the original question, I, so I dislocated my arm 12 times. I was in the iron workers for a year. And then at the end of that year, around the time I, I, I had to figure out a solution for this arm thing. And I was after a certain point in time, I was like, I just got to get surgery. And Fortunately, I was in the union because it was a union job that I was a part of because it, it was connected to a school and they had this whole apprenticeship program and everything. So that's why I was in it. The, the union job had a special type of insurance and I, I had just crossed the threshold 
of getting medical procedures like that paid for about 80%. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like uh, the perfect timing, it was perfect timing. Cause I, I went to the hospital and they're like, if you just wait one more month, we can get the insurance company to pay, to for, pay this. for this. Yeah. And I'm like, awesome. Done. Yeah. Don't need to worry about that. So I, I waited the month and everything. Cause it wasn't like nothing new was happening. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, Oh my gosh, what am I supposed yeah. to do for a whole month? Um, and I got the surgery and then I went to a union meeting, I think two months before I had the surgery or three months before I had the surgery. And the announcement was that there had been 60 people had died on the job that year and it wasn't even over yet. Get out of here. And I knew that the job was dangerous. I knew what I was doing was like up in the most dangerous jobs and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. But after that point, I was like, I'm out. Like, I don't, I, I really don't need to risk my, like risk my life for a job. Like yeah, it's just, there's no amount of money that you can give me that, <laughs> that I will give me to risk my life like that. That's exactly. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's a one term in particular that comes to mind. They call it a widow's peak. It's basically when two pieces of metal aren't completely together for being on roofs and that you can fall through it and oh, they, shit. and they call it a widow's peak. Because it's oh, it's the thing. If you're married, it causes a, causes widow. a widow. Yeah, wow. and then there's a generalized term for like you know that's a sketchy yeah. job when you have like <laughs> terms that like watch out for the widow's peak over there. You could die. Like that's watch out for the suicide job. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh. That is crazy, man. Yeah. So uh, job uh, job paid for the surgery. Walked away from that job, <laughs> and it was funny, man. The guy who. Uh, was uh, the the leader or the organizer. I don't even exactly know what his title was, but he was kind of in charge of the apprentices and stuff. Uh, I went back to him, gave, gave him my resignation letter, and he's like, iron working, it's in your blood, and you better go break that skateboard. I was just like, cool, what you think? I'm yeah. out. <laughs> I'm not going to die for you, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I was done. So it was a good experience overall. I'm very fortunate that I lived through it. I'm very fortunate I've lived through a lot of my yeah, it sounds like you've gone through some shit, bro. Like, yeah, I mean, like, nothing I regret, but it's just, like, yeah. crazy, man. I mean, do you want to hear the story of when I got ran over? Yeah, let's okay, do it. So, <laughs> Before we continue today's episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Canva Pro. Canva Pro is an online platform that lets you create stunning graphics for your business, your personal brand, or just for fun. Whether you need a logo, a flyer, a social media post, or anything else, Canva Pro has you covered with thousands of templates and millions of images to choose from. Sounds awesome, right? As a listener of our podcast, you get a free 30-day trial of Canva Pro by going to canva.blueboxdigital.com. You can also subscribe to Think Outside the Blue Box using the link below to get these episodes without ads and tons of exclusive content starting at only 99 cents a month. All the links are down in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. I was a a bike messenger. I was a bike messenger before this happened. And like, let's keep in mind, I was telling somebody else this story the other day. There's a road in Denver, Colorado. If anybody knows who it is, it's right downtown. It goes, I think it goes, I haven't lived there for several years. So forgive me, I'm wrong. It goes Broadway. And then it's not Grant. It's a, it's the road right before Grant, but on Broadway, Broadway is one of the busiest roads in the downtown area. We're talking a city of more than a million people. And you have the street right next to it. One of the second, like one, probably like there, one is a one way going this way. One is the other one way going that way. This is a four lane road and it is sometimes back to back traffic for hours. Wow. Let's just consider that for a moment. Yeah. And I'm doing bike messenger job. 
the light takes a considerable amount of time. The expectation of the job is like, we are fast. My bike messengers, like there's, there's a time at the end of the day where we all look at our times, like who's the fastest. Wow. That's the, that's the idea. That's what everyone's working with here. Right. And I would see this, this, this actually happened where I, this road was good. This is a road that's posted as 40 miles per hour. So just like think a of main that road. a main road for post. If I'm remembering this correctly, posted 40 miles per hour, four lane road, one way. Wow. People are coming, driving down this road, going that fast. And I, w- I was so in the moment that I, I had my bike and I was on, I had my bike messenger gear. I looked down at the car and I said, it's far enough down the road. I look at the light. I'm like, I'm good. And I book it across the road. Damn. <laughs> and that was not a one-off experience. That was like, I was doing that on a regular basis. We're talking about lots of cars, a lot of speed, and a lot of potential of really getting injured. Dying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about like probably it like iron working is dangerous. This job is dangerous too. Yeah. I remember a time where there was back-to-back traffic and I was riding in between cars on the white line and <laughs> I look around and I'm like, there are so many cars on the road right now and they're all stopped at a red light. And I was like, if that light turns go... And I get, You're going to be stuck in the middle of that. No, no, no. If, if, if the light turns go <laughs> and there's a car that bumps me or knocks me over, I'm going to get run over a lot. Not a little bit. Wow. Uh, not like at one time, like a few times, like probably like 15 times. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, this is sketchy. And then I got off the road before like the light turned green and I was like one car away from being off the road. And I was like, all right, cool. made it. We're good. Oh, okay. I'm still yeah, alive. Yeah. Still alive. <laughs> we did that. I don't want to do that again. Oh, and it just got shit. to the point where I was like, I, I'm out. Like this isn't this isn't what I want to do with my my life. I enjoyed it. It was fun. I had the if I, I was a I was a thrill seeker when I was young. I had those thrills and they were fun. That's and enough. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like I know what that's like and I know the amount of injuries that I've had and that wasn't fun. So I don't want to do that again. That's yeah, like the bike couriers in New York City mm-hmm. where they kind of have have to go in between traffic and stuff. That's that's wild. Dude. There's a there's a specific term for those for the handlebars that they have when you. We're, we're talking about bike handlebars. Yep. They're called suicide handlebars because you cut off the sides of the handlebars and the only amount of width you have is about the distance between your le- the end of your left hand to the end of your right hand. Wow. You, it, it's less than a foot and that's the amount of handlebar you have so that you can better get through the, the traffic, traffic in the cars. Wow. Yeah. So I, I, ironically enough, I never got ran over or got hit or I did get hit. I, I hit a couple cars because oh, there was, sure. like, it was kind of funny, man. Cause it was like during the middle of wintertime and stuff and I have bald tires and I'm like, I, my, my brakes are shitty anyway. And so sh- like, yeah, I'm just like, shit. I like, I into slide people. into the back of people's car and they're like, what is going on? Are, are you okay? I'm like, just fine. <laughs> My bike's a I'm little. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> wow. Anybody who got that reference is awesome. <laughs> man, so, you're uh, a trip, dude. Yeah, man. I uh, so I didn't get hit at all. I definitely hit a couple of vehicles, and um, and then after I finished doing bike messenger work, I I start to help out these other companies and stuff, and I'm riding a bike 
to get from point A to point B on something. And it's actually while I'm doing the work, but I'm not like a bike messenger anymore. I'm working actually further outside of town. And I, I start going down this hill that's, I'd say, two miles long, let's just say. And I start going down the hill and initially nobody is on the road. And then we're not talking about like a dangerously steep road, but we're talking about a road that you need brakes to stop at the end of it. And my brakes, let's just say, weren't up to par. They weren't the best. They weren't. Yeah, let's just say they weren't the best. <laughs> and I start going down this hill. There's no cards on the roads initially. I'm like, oh, this is fun. This is cool. And I start speeding up. I'm like, I'm going to go faster. We, this is fun. I'm a thrill seeker. And, uh, and there's cars starting to come towards me on the opposite side of the road. There's another car that passes me on the left. And then there's a, tr- there's a truck carrying a trailer that has a bulldozer on it bulldozer those things wow. weigh at least nine thousand tons yeah nine, at least nine thousand pounds yeah literally like <laughs> at least almost one ton wow and so i'm riding down the road this thing is on my left and i'm like okay cool no problem you know everything's fine uh another car behind me i think i'm just like I, I just have an awareness of like okay another car behind me and then the truck in front of me starts to take a left or no it takes a right in front of me my brakes are shot, and I'm going towards this object. Oof. There's other cars coming towards me on the opposite side of the road, so I can't do that. Yeah, you can't swerve. <laughs> can't go around the thing. That's not an option. There's cars wow. behind me, so I can't think of do. I, I'm just like trapped. I'm, I feel yeah. pinned at this point. And I'm like, okay, well, what do I have to do? Well, I'm going to try to use my brakes, but I'm also going to have to try to turn with this thing. And I'm probably going 15, 20 miles per hour at this point, like scratching my brakes because they're shot. Yeah. And I'm having to veer right. Like I'm taking a 90 degree turn going fast, like 15 miles per hour, it feels like in my mind. Mm -hmm. Right. And I fortunately make the turn somehow and the moment I, th- I thought, oh, I'm good, the back tire of this, of this trailer, this, this trailer, keep in mind, weighs 12,000 pounds because the trailer by itself weighs 3,000 pounds. And it, it's, it's four wheels. And, the, and the, then the second wheel hits the back of my bike, knocks me over. Oof and runs over the back part of my leg. And the bike that I had at the time had that, it was like a straight bar, but then it had the the U-turned ends. And what had happened, I realized this later, is my leg went underneath the U-turn thing. Like you can shove your leg underneath there. And fortunately, because of those handlebars, the back tire went onto my leg and then onto the handlebars. Shit. And then off of the bike. And then the bike was totally demolished. I thought for sure my leg was shattered at that point. Like I thought. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah I was like a sharp pain in your leg. Seeing again run over like that. Yeah. I, well, I was, I was more traumatized for the fact that I just witnessed my own leg get run over. Yeah. I, it wasn't like, honestly, the guys were in the, in the, in the hospital and ever let the, in the, in the ER or whatever were like, do you want painkillers and everything? Like, do you want anything drug-wise? Like, are you, like, do you Did want... Did it look any- bad? I mean, m- my leg swelled up so bad to the point where it was probably about four times... Like, I don't know about four times, but it was, like, like if if you... Uh, if anybody's watching this, it's, like, here's my leg. It's probably about this big. 
Like wow. I'm not I'm not trying to over exaggerate that either. Like, it was just really swollen. It was su- it was getting super swollen, but I had been through arm dislocations, like so many injuries, skateboarding and snowboarding and everything, that I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. Like I'm just I you know all I need all I know is that I need to breathe and I'll be okay. Like if I just can breathe, like because it honestly wasn't it was it was one fifth the pain of dislocate arm dislocation. Like it was probably numb. Yeah, probably. It was probably <laughs> yeah. the adrenaline and stuff yeah. like that. I'm just like, and I'm talking to people. I'm like, Oh, ooh, this is fine. <laughs> but then afterwards I, I realized, and I was like, you know, I've heard morphine's pretty good. I was like, you got morphine. They're like, we're not giving you that. <laughs> you asked for morphine. <laughs> They're like, I'm fine. I don't need you. Can I have morphine? Though? <laughs> this guy's a junkie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and so fortunately the whole thing went super smooth. I, I got picked up by the there was someone in um who drove past it who saw the whole thing because the the guy in the in the truck didn't even know that he had run me over because it was the last wheel of the of the trailer like i'm so far behind probably didn't even feel it probably didn't even know and that's actually what happened he didn't even know and um there was a guy who was an E, I think he worked in the, he was like a nurse or like someone who worked in the field and he immediately called 911 i got picked up by an ambulance pretty quick um, everything went pretty smooth, actually. Like, I got taken to the uh, hospital. They gave me x-rays. And to prove that I was medically okay to walk away, I had to I had to show that I could walk on my leg. Oof. After <laughs> it, it just getting run oh over. After getting run After it's, like, over. four times its size. Well, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I got that big type of thing. And, um, and so... I was, I was just trying to bullshit the lady. I was just like, can you, can I just tell you something good? They're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I feel fine. Like, can I go home now? Cause I was like, I don't want to spend the night in the hospital. Um, and, uh, and so they're like, you got to walk in your leg to prove that if you're, you can go home type of thing. It's like, okay. All right. (laughs) So I get out of the bed, like. I, I, st- this, this happened, I think at least six or seven years ago, my leg is still damaged from that accident today. Wild. I had to, I had to buy a special machine to help my blood circulation just to solve because that problem. Because of that. Because of that. It was not a cheap machine. Oh my God. <laughs> and, um, and so I talk and, and so I, I, uh, I take about three steps on my leg at that moment in time. And then I couldn't walk for three months, if not four. Holy shit. Yeah. So did they let you go? Yep. Yeah. I went home. <laughs> and then you couldn't walk. <laughs> and then I couldn't walk for like three more months. I got crutches and life was not so wow. great. But uh, yeah, man, pretty uh, honestly fun times because I was working 80 hours a week at that time yeah. and uh, getting nice run over. break. Yeah. Getting run over was a, a pretty clear indicator that I couldn't leave the house. On the clock too. Did, did they kind of respond your, the company that you're working for, did they kind of respond to that? No, I mean, not, no. Actually, I was given a ticket. because. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> not only did I get Insult run over. injury. Yeah, exactly. I got it because I, 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 the first police officer that came by, I'm like, don't want to talk to him. So I was like, oh, I'm just so, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and uh, then they whisked me away in the ambulance. And then the cop, like, a, I think it was a different cop, came back when I was sitting in the hospital couldn't go anywhere i was like i can't walk away from this guy (laughs) (laughs) he started asking me a few questions yeah i started asking me a few questions like well what if i said a b and c he's like well i'm giving you a ticket i was like damn 
But honestly, it was better that I received the ticket than the driver for the for the company because that driver probably would have lost his job. His whole career. His entire yeah. career over that. So fortunately, I got the ticket. No charges were pressed. I actually went over to the company and talked with them afterwards after my leg was all healed up and everything, and they told me about the trailer and how much it weighed. The only reason why I know those numbers yeah. is because I went and talked to them. Wow. And... Um, and ironically, they offered me a job afterwards. Get out of here. <laughs> like, if you ever want to work here, man, it's like crazy, man. I have arm dislocations to worry about. Do you want to work here? <laughs> do you want to do it? You look like you could do this kind of work. Wow. Trim some trees. I was like, what well, kind of have a leg problem right yeah, now? No, we almost killed you. <laughs> Damn, man. So what, what, uh, from there, what, what kind of brought you to Florida? Honestly, skateboarding was a part of it. Yeah. I was continuing education and welding, and those two things catapulted me. Because honestly, I was in Colorado, and I was like, I don't want to live here. There was just something about Colorado that I just wasn't sticking with. Yeah. And I had, I had, it wasn't your vibe. Well, I, you know, it wasn't my vibe, and I think I just wanted to move. Like, I was just like, at that stage of my life, I'm like, I want to go somewhere else. I yeah. don't want to be here. Like, I want to go see the world a little bit, right? And so I thought about it probably for about two years, and I said... Probably spent six months thinking about going out to Australia, New Zealand, and I was like, that would be sick. But honestly, if I go over to those places, what's the what's the reality of coming back? What's the reality of the expenses it costs to live there? What's the re and I started to look into and the work it. visa, the and work all that visa, stuff. everything, and I was like, yeah. you know, man, this is a like. I don't, I don't really want to put the effort into yeah. doing all of this. Like, it sounds cool. It's a cool idea. Love the, love it that people want to go travel and do that. Uh, not my thing. And so I was like, what's, like, the closest thing that I could get to, like, New Zealand and Australia? And I said, you know, probably Florida because it's tropical-like weather, uh, kind of deserty-ish, also has a lot of humidity, wildlife, stuff like that. And and ironically, everyone who told me how bad Florida was going to be was horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I grew up in literally negative 40 degree weather. It doesn't matter if that's Celsius or Fahrenheit because it's the same thing at that temperature. Oh, holy shit. Yeah. And when it gets that cold, you can open a... On the summit of the ski resort town that we lived on, on the top of the mountain, a guy opened a door, had a hot bucket of water. He threw the hot bucket of water outside. It instantly evaporated, turned into ice. Oh, wow. In it, and then it just froze there. Craziest thing I've ever heard of. That's wild. Yeah, so anybody's like, I'm cold. I'm like... I, no, <laughs> you're not. You don't. You don't get it. You don't. You don't know what I've been through. <laughs> I've, I've actually been to Colorado. I've actually been to Colorado, and uh, I was staying in one of the cabins up in the mountain, and it was like negative ten or negative fifteen yeah. or something like that. And mm -hmm. uh, we had two water bottles in the car that we just completely forgot, yep. and then just a couple hours later, we came back for them, and they were completely solid. Yep. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for real. You don't need a freezer during the wintertime in... Is this freezer stuff in the snow? Or yeah, you can just... basically just make a... This is what they do in, in, honestly, on mountain towns and stuff like that. You can just put your beer in the... Because the, the snow is usually high enough that yeah. you can just put your beer in there and then you're good. That's and, it. Yeah, yeah, that's your cooler. <laughs> yep, that's your cooler. You don't... You, we don't need any of these fancy ice machines. Wow. <laughs> we have the nature for that. <laughs> <laughs> 
That is insane. And then you come to one of the hottest places. In the yeah, and, and 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 dude, it was just so funny because they're because I was thinking that it was gonna be like they're like, dude, you have no idea how humid it gets there. Like I'm thinking I've been through negative forty degree weather. Like I could like. People die at that weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, literally, it can, it's that cold. Yeah. And they're telling me, oh, it's unbearable in Florida. And I remember being in New Orleans, and that is probably one of the most humid, hot places that I've physically ever... Like, you go outside and you start sweating because it's Instantly. Is yeah. so hot. And Florida is like a nice day in California... If there is slightly more humidity. humidity. Yeah. As soon as I moved here, I was like, I found paradise and nobody told me yeah. about this place. <laughs> you know, I mean, really, that's how I perceived it. A lot of people listening to this who either live in Florida or think of Florida and they're like, oh, I would never go there. There's hurricanes. I'm like, bro, like you're good. Let's yeah. Say, yeah. <laughs> There's stuff everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah. You got, like, oh, you got hurricanes. Oh, but no, you got earthquakes <laughs> and yeah. fires and, and all this other shit that people out West have to deal with. Mm -hmm. It's like. You just pick your poison at yeah, that point. Nobody's you know? safe. What are you, yeah. What, <laughs> what are you willing to put up with? <laughs> right. Oh, that's crazy. So what, where where in Florida did you end up? Uh, Tampa, Clearwater Tampa. area. You okay. know, you I just kind of stayed here. Yeah, it was just like those two places, yeah. and um, yeah, it's and the best place to be, man. Honestly, I agree <laughs> completely. To be honest, and um, fortunately, I ended up making the situation go right. I was honestly, what happened is I I was like pushing my money away and I was just trying to make the right moves like bit by bit by bit. And the, I was talking with my financial advisor about it and he's like, I think you're at the moment where you could buy a house. And I was like, cool. Nice. That sounds like a, I've never been there. Oh, really? I don't know. Yeah. 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 Do things, weird things happen to me yeah. now where I talk about my problems to people and they're like, can I have your problems? Yeah. Like we go from like yeah. so many years ago of like, I'm just trying to compete to get to level A. And now we're at the place where they're like, can I have some of that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> wow. So yeah, man. And that honestly, it just goes back to the whole thing of like, grow your tree. You know, it goes back to that whole Valley of depression. Like, I, I did not have an easy time getting here, but I wouldn't give it away for the world either. Helps you appreciate it, man. Oh, okay. That's exactly it. Yeah. If I was just given a house, I'd be like, I remember I was given a car as a teenager and I wrecked it. I remember destroying that yeah. car. Like, cause I was like, it would drink the night before and I was just on one the next day. I was like, cause I, I just skated this gap and like everybody, it was like, I thought about skating that gap when you, you like, did oh. it. Yeah, it was like one of those moments where I was just like, <laughs> oh yeah. And then I was driving to, I call it Cali park, but it's Kalispell in Montana. So I was driving to Cali park in this dirt road and everything. And, uh, I thought I could drift this corner because I was cool. Cause I had drifted <laughs> corners before on the dirt road. And fortunately uh, my car had four-wheel drive, and I drove into the ditch oh, <laughs> and demolished that car. Wow. Yeah, I wrecked it yeah, so... you didn't appreciate it. Yeah, because I didn't appreciate it. I was just yeah. giving the car. I wrecked it so hard, the people were just like, I wouldn't even try to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it right there. <laughs> it's uh, done. Like, you you did that. Good you did job. that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, pretty early on, it was, uh, yeah, had just not, not appreciating things like that and then get to mm -hmm. the point. Like, because I, I felt like I had earned that house. It wasn't just like, oh, you passed the test. Good job. You know, I, it wasn't just like someone was just like, your turn to have a house. You know what I mean? Like, I had to go to the showings. I had to show up. I had, like, I had so much that I feel like I went through that it was kind of like 
this point in life where I was like, when am I going to have that thing? Like I see so many other people have that thing where that thing goes right for them. You know, I just, I want that one thing, you know? And I, I was just at this moment where I was just, it was just a, a monument of different things that were occurring. I was storing my money away. I was working consistent jobs. I was, I was doing my best to stay at a single job. I was trying to be steady, trying to be steady, trying to be steady. And it was just that one thing that just, popped off and I was like, it worked. I did it. That did it. That yeah. was, that was the one thing I needed. I, I had gone through years and years and years and years of, of loss, 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 you know, but I just kept on watering my plant. I kept watering my tree, watering my tree, you know, okay, just need, need another tool in my belt, need another tool in my belt. And finally got to the point where I was like, I have the tools in my, I have these tools in my belt. I can do A, B, and C. You know, if I, and to be honest, this is how it happened. I, I had, someone else give me a financial gift. I, I, I had a significant amount of money that I had stored away financially speaking. I had sent a personal letter to the people that had, uh, had the house for sale. I had another family member write a personal letter to these people. Wow. I, I, and, and I was telling everybody, I was like, I need this to work. Like I, I made like, like, this is it. This like, is the thing I have this <laughs> on the line. I need this to work. And, and I, and I think it was the combination of the things that it was just the right time at the right moment. I had the right mindset. I had the right skill sets. Everything just lined up for me at that moment in time. And I would truthfully say that if I was still homeless in Colorado and I was doing drugs and living on the streets and trying to still have that lifestyle, like that net, like even living in a tent or, or any other previous point in my life, nothing would have had that never would have happened if I did not push so hard to begin with, you know, because nobody told me I needed to stop doing drugs. I chose to stop doing them. No one told me I had to stop drinking cigarette or <laughs> drinking cigarettes, <laughs> drinking alcohol. I chose to stop drinking al alcohol and no one told me I had to quit smoking cigarettes. I chose to stop drinking cigarettes. I chose to get an education. I ch like, and just, and I'm resonating off of what I'm saying. Just, I'm choosing to do better things with my life. It's not yeah, that like person. This home was a conscious choice yes. that I made yes. that I was going to accomplish. Yeah. And here it is. Yeah. And actually the financial advisor I mentioned earlier hit the, the thing they say is you're supposed to pay off all your debts, um, put um, at least three to six months worth of savings in your savings account um, and, and like buying a house is like the sixth step. Like we're not even talking about some, like where I, I was working on those steps for years, like buying the house. I started working on these, these, uh, they're called milestone markers. And I would highly encourage anybody to look them up. If you look up Coco enterprises, um, he has them and they're milestone markers and he has this really nice, like drawing demonstration like this guy path. yeah there's a path and it says this is point a this is point b this is point c point this is point d that guy actually came to my in 2007 he did a speech in my high school class and he and he talked about that thing and i wasn't real i was not a real bright person but i understood what he said it clicked and that was all i needed and I said from that moment forward, I need to follow his advice. I don't care about school. I don't care about that. I don't care about that. The most important thing is what that man said. Wow. It wasn't complicated. That's the thing that was really, yeah. that's the thing that I think people want to do is they want to overcomplicate it and make it hard. And 
not explain it easily and give it all this con- complicated confusion. But in reality, all you need are simple concepts to guide your life in the right direction. And if you have enough of those that are accurate to truth and fact, then you can start going in the right direction. And when you do that over a long period of time, consistently, consistently, your life improves, you make better decisions, and you can have a life that you want, but it's not given, it's chosen. Dude, it's like, it, it's almost like running a marathon. It's like, if you, if you think about the 26 miles, you're never going to get there, right? Then mm-hmm. it, you're going to get discouraged. But if you take just one little step at a time, mm-hmm. you'll eventually get to the finish line. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're pointed in the right direction mm-hmm. and you're taking consistent steps in that direction, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to succeed, man. I think the, the thing that a lot of people run into is they want the instant gratification. Yes. That's that's part of the problem. Society has also taught us have instant gratification. We want the microwaves, we want the easy done, we want the social We're media. Willing to pay for that convenience. The willing to pay for of, the convenience. Kind of spoils you in, in a mm-hmm. sense that it it gets you used to having that instant gratification. Yeah. So so society in a sense has tailored us to say, mm-hmm. I want I want instant gratification. But if you really want some things in your life to occur that are very good, you, you have to, we're not talking about tomorrow. We're not talking about two weeks from now. We're talk, not talking about a month from now. We're not talking about two months from now. We're not talking about a year. We're not talking about two years. We're talking about 10 years. We're talking about 15 years. We're talking about basically a fourth of your life. It's a really mind-blowing concept. Yeah. If we go, do you want to go further into this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so... I looked it up one time, and it was a really hard concept to grasp. But let's go back to this idea of seconds, minutes, days, weeks, years. Let's take 100 years. Let's take 200 years. Okay, let's just imagine the time frames that we're working with now. An average human, by what Google says, is 80 years. And this is, statistic is due to people dying sooner, people dying later. Yeah. So the average, average. yeah, Yeah. the average lifespan is 80 years. And most people, when they're graduating high school, are one-fourth of the way completed with their life. It's a weird thing to think about. As perspective for you. Yeah, and I I don't (laughs) want to make it an upsetting thing because there's this huge stigma on death and, and... and ah, death, yeah. you know what I mean? People it's, don't like talking about people it. People don't like it about talking about it, but I'm not really trying to talk about death. I'm, try, I'm trying to look at it as though it's a math equation. You have 80 years, give or take. You're fortunate to get all 80 years. In fact, the 80 years are probably going to be the best years of your life because I've seen people at 100 and it's not, it's not like, fun. yeah, it's not like you're 10 anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of just existing at that point. Yeah, exactly. You're kind of doing the tomato job. <laughs> so, so you have relatively 80 years to, and the first 20 years is taken up due to obligation of what society thinks you need uh, and thinks of job and thinks of what you, they think you need to do well at life, which isn't accurate in my opinion. And then you have an additional 20 years, which is an additional year of growth, which is really where your potential freedom hits. And you can say, I get to start making my own choices. But society is so confusing that it tells you to go do drugs, go drink, have children, um, basically make all these decisions that, is that really what you want? And it's hard to know because there's this, I was mentioning it earlier, it's, it's in your teen years, you 
you, you really are just trying to figure things out in your twenties. You think, you know, everything in your thirties, you realize, you know, nothing. Yeah. And that's so true. Right. Because in your twenties, you're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I, I mean, I was like that, you know, yeah, I had, a, you, you think you have so much time ahead of you mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, I'm going to do all of these things. And you kind of do in a way yeah. you have this affordability, you have some time in the bank, so to speak, you know, you have time that you can look at, but the concept of life is, you have about, let's say, 60 years by the time you graduate high school to say, okay, what do I want to do with my life? Life te- is short, but let's define what short is. We're talking about 60 years here that we have to work with. So what are you going to do in those 60 years that you have to your availability? If this is a high school student, he's like, well, I'm going to drop out of school right now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I don't think that's the right solution either. Yeah. Like, it's what do you do with yourself? What do you want to accomplish? You know, where do you want to get, go in life? And this isn't like I, anyone is supposed to tell you, like you kind of have to figure it out. And this goes back to that idea of the first time you do something, it's not going to be perfect. I spent about 10 years of my life, if not 15 years of my life, wanting to be a professional skateboarder and snowboarder. That's all I wanted to do, you know? And I did everything in my power to achieve that and it never came to fruition you want to know why why because when i went to woodward west a skateboard camp in california i saw a kid named alex midler as a as an 11 year old you can look up alex midler now and he is a professional skateboarder oh nice he i saw him at tampa pro which is an international contest people from japan and other many other countries specifically japan come out to this event and you see some phenomenal things. Like, wow. talk about wizards on a skateboard. Yeah. Like, incredible stuff, man. But you you can look up this kid. And I saw him as an 11-year-old jumping down 11 steps of stairs, skateboarding on rails that are 11 stairs. Like, we're talking about some pretty big things for a... He, he wasn't for an a 11-year-old. Yeah, he wasn't a tall kid either. Yeah. Like, we're talking about, like, a four-foot child. <laughs> And, and now he's grown and he's winning contests and he's one of the, if any, go look him up in names of skateboarding, he comes up. So I looked at that when I was realizing I want to take skateboarding, like one of the last years that I realized I wasn't going to make it as a professional skateboarder, I realized how good he was. And I knew that my level of skill was never going to touch that. I, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't. I couldn't do anything about it either. Like I can keep trying and stuff yeah. like that, but it, it it was like that kid had a gift. It would take you so much longer to get to that point. Yeah, I'm I still skateboard today, and I'm still not at that point. Like it's just, yeah. and that's the thing is like the thing I don't like about goals too that people kind of like just do do what you love and things will happen. It's just like bullshit. <laughs> That's bullshit. <laughs> there, there comes a level of skill that you have to acquire. Yes, exactly. Like there's some people who are just naturally gifted and their life goes fantastic. You look at Nigel Houston, kills it on a skateboard. One of the most famous skateboard. Tony Hawk has a natural gift. You know, one of the most biggest well-known names in skateboarding. He's very famous person i think everyone knows who he is tony hawk yeah yeah it's a pretty <laughs> common name <laughs> yeah. uh and and he made it in the world of skateboarding right so the thing that was so defeating to me about that is like realizing but everyone's telling me if i just go for my dreams i can do it why can't i do it 
So there's this error. There's a false misrepresentation of what truth is. I think, I think though, if, if you would have dedicated your entire life, like every waking second to this skateboarding thing, I think eventually you would become that good is just, it's a lot more time consuming than people that are born with, like you said, the natural born talent. The level of where you, you really have to observe it to understand, like I've been in the skateboarding world for 20, if not more years at this point. Like, let's, I have a tattoo that says skateboarding to the graveyard on my chest. Nice. Like, very committed, dedicated to it. The level of skill set you need to make it in skateboarding these days, I mean, the market's completely saturated. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. In addition to that, professional skateboarders only make a, some of them, if they're doing well, are making about 18 to $25 an hour. It's not wow. even like a miraculous job. Yeah, We're not talking like about, like, fame and fortune here. We're talking about, like, I'm enough to pay my bills. Yeah. So it's really not glamour as glamorous as some people want to make it out to be. Yeah. You really have to watch what people can do and it's hard to to give a a theory behind how much skill level is in, going into it, but I think if I speak from my own experience on it, I think it'll probably resonate. So we're talking I don't know if anyone's familiar with the term of an ollie, but it's basically where you jump and you have the board underneath you. It's, you've probably seen it before. And Ollie is, is like jumping with the skateboard and that's the extent of it. Um, and so you, in addition to that, you can make the board do a 360 in about like probably 15 different ways. The one board going 15 different ways that you can make it go in a direction, right? And we're just talking in kind of like multiple levels, multiple tricks, like we're talking about hundreds of different yeah. tricks at this point in those, in that range. And so we're talking about someone doing a, a, a beginning trick and then doing it into a balancing position, which is known as a manual, where you're lifting up your nose or you're lifting up your tail and being in a balanced position for a length of time and then doing a flipping variation out of it in addition to that. My level of skill set is I can do the beginning. I can do the be I can do, I would say... 180th, if not one 100th, if not one 500th of the tricks of that availability. So I, my skill level is about, I would say not beginner by any means, but I'm good enough to ride on a skateboard. And it's really funny that you would say that because in the past people are like, Oh, you're like Tony Hawk. And I'm like, I need to educate what you just said because it's pretty far from inaccurate. I mean, we're talking about a man who did a, a 900, which is basically three 360s. And I watched a video recently of a seven-year-old who can do that. Wow. He, a seven or eight-year-old. He's the next Alex Midler. You know, he's going to be a professional, you know. And I, I had the dream. I had the desire. I had, I mean, I remember the, the day before I went into surgery, I was skating until three in the morning for at least like five to seven hours because I knew I wasn't going to be able to skateboard for several months again. Like I went to professional skateboarding camps. I did everything. Like you don't understand. Like I've, I've been broken by this wow. as, as a person. So 
I do not agree that everybody can just go be a Michael Jordan or oh, a Oh, no, not super Michael Jordan, but just make a career out of it. Career out of it? I, oh, I see what you're yeah. saying now. Yeah, um, you're, you're, not, you're not trying to be Tony Hawk, bro. Like, oh, I get that's what you're a once-in-a-lifetime yeah, yeah, person. Yeah, mm -hmm. But you can, I, I believe that if you have something that you love to do, regardless of how much money you make, because $15 oh, an hour, it, it doesn't yet. matter as long as you're doing something you love. Mm. I think that if, if it's something that you're truly passionate about and you dedicate your entire life, like waking, every time you wake up, that's all you can think about until mm. you go to sleep. Mm -hmm. I think you can make something out of that. Maybe I'm, I'm not going to be James Cameron. I'm not going to be fucking mm. Steven Spielberg. Yeah. But I'm not trying to be. Okay. I, I'm just trying to be a filmmaker mm. like you. If you wanted okay. to make a career out of skateboarding, you could have. Maybe not to that level. No. <laughs> but I can I'm, see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm sure if you would have, if you would have literally dedicated, like, hire a personal coach, and and literally from the time that you wake up to the time that you go to bed, be on the board, and just it becomes a part of you at, at that point. Like you, you, there's no, there's no option but to get better. Part of the thing that I was running into that I relate back to the Ritalin thing and the drugs usage and stuff like that is I didn't have the right understanding of what I needed to do in order to get to these next levels. Like I knew you had to go into com like I didn't really know that you like you had to go in competitions and stuff like I, I thought the, the thing to do was like getting sponsored by the local shop, you know, and honestly, Cause I, that's what you see, right? You that's see what you the see. sponsors, you see all this shit. So that's, that's how, what you think is what's supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen. Yeah. yeah. And this was before I was homeless, for example, like I, 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 I get being living on the streets was probably one of the best things that could have happened to me at the time because it made me resourceful. If I was more resourceful, I could, I could have made something out of it. Cause I've seen some really dumb uh, ads in magazines where it's like you have a kid who like this kid got made fun. Like I saw that kid and I saw him in the magazine and other people are like, what are you yeah. doing? Like, you're not supposed to be in the magazine. Like, bro, like, chill out. Like, you're not to that level. <laughs> you're not to that level. And um, and honestly, it's a pretty tight-knit thing. Like, you have to have the right connections. You have to write, know the right people. It's really what, it's a networking thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to network at that point in time in my life. And fortunately, I actually think I kind of bestowed this thing onto myself in a way because I was more or less just wanting to push myself in the right direction. I was wanting to push myself outside of my normal mental barriers and limits and things like that. Gotcha. You know what I mean? I agree with you. I could have done something that could have related to me potentially getting paid and having sponsors and, and doing all of that. Like I could have done that, but I also had the, the times where I'm having the potentials to get sponsored, but I'm also seeing that everybody on the team is doing drugs too. And I'm, and this is also at the yeah. same time where I'm like trying to shift out of that. Mm -hmm. So in a way, I think you're right that I could have turned it into something where I could have gotten sponsors and stuff. Cause I mean, people see my skating and they'd be like, Whoa, yeah, right. Like, you know how to ride a skateboard. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's probably about the extent Dude, of what better I got. Than, <laughs> yeah. Better than most people. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. That's, you know, I mean, I've, I've placed at competitions and mm -hmm. stuff like that, like things like that. But I mean, we're, when we're talking about like professional level contests, it's like, I, I, go watch Nisa Houston, man. Like, he yeah. Don't get discouraged, though. Don't don't watch them and be like, oh no. I'm, I'm I mean, but that's what like was that. going on for yeah. me for years. I was watching that and I was like, I can never do that. I can never do that. <laughs> I wouldn't stop me from skating yeah, or anything yeah. like that. But I just think that I didn't have the right tools or thought processes and of like, 
oh, I have to go do this in order to attain this. But I think at the time in my life, I was kind of just being taken in different directions too. So yeah, I mean, I was a lot going on too. Yeah, I had a lot going on and, and honestly, I wouldn't take it away from anything. I mean, maybe even retract from my, from my earlier statement on it, but to, to a certain degree, I just, I never made it to a certain level that I had attained. But going back to the thing that I was bringing up is like, I, I think that people and their goals is something that everybody can have the same goal. Like everybody wants to win a gold medal. Everybody wants that specific job. Every, everybody, everybody wants the can, everybody candidates for that thing. Everybody wants to run for president. Not everybody, but like you have multiple people running, wanting that position. So the, the thing that I'm, I'm pointing out is it's not that you are, it's not that you can get to the thing. It's it's that you have certain skill sets that can enable you to get closer. Some people have natural advantages yeah. to getting to that closer than of what course. you can, though. And, and really what I'm wanting to push out in this idea is that even if you don't get to that thing, like keep striving, just keep pushing, keep going in, in that direction. In that like, direction yeah, yeah, don't give up. That's That's probably the most important thing. Like, you're not a failure until you, until you say I quit Boom. and, and then you're, and then you're no mas done. No more. You yeah, know, you only fail when you quit, when you say that you're not going to succeed. <laughs> right. Cause I still skate. Like for example, I yeah. still skateboard. I still love it's still your passion. Yeah, yeah. I still love that passion. I just realize that it's like, Oh, this isn't the, the thing that's going to get me to the place I want to be anymore. You know, I, gotcha. I have, this other thing and this other thing and this other thing that I'm working on that is, I realize now I'm like, Oh, well this is the thing I'm looking for. I need this solution for it. Oh, this is the problem I'm running into. I need this correct solution for it. Gotcha. And that's when my life really started to shift was when I was able to see the difference between what I imagined as being true and what I saw as true and what I experienced as true. And I was able to go in the right direction based off of working on facts and ideas that really made a difference going in the right direction. So it's, it's hard because you have to like unlearn a bunch of information, unlearn certain things because every, a lot of people resonate with this idea of go to, go to school, get a degree, get a job. You don't technically need to do that though. Yeah. You know, there's other avenues you can choose. You can choose to go into the world of construction. You can choose to go into different fields that don't need a college degree. If you're, if you're trying to make money, then you have different avenues that you can take and go experience those avenues, figure out if that works, try it for a while. And like, if that's a month, two months, a year type of thing, like don't give up after you're frustrated once or twice or a hundred times you know, figure out what the solution is. And that's how you grow as a person. That's how you move into that next phase of who you are. If you want to be that better person, if you want to be that bigger person, you have to go through pain to get, you have to, yeah, yeah, you have to intentionally go through some of these harder things in life. And a friend of mine would say, you have to kind of like pain a little bit to be able to get to that next growth, because that's what growth is. If we're talking about growing pains, it's not just like giving like freedom pains or yeah. anything. Like. But the thing that I like about growing on on stuff too is like you have this uh, transformation that you go through as a person. You know, I and, and what I really like now is like 
it doesn't matter how smart somebody is. It doesn't matter how gifted somebody is. If they don't utilize those skills and put the, put the skills to the test and actually push themselves in the right direction, I've seen very smart people make really dumb decisions. Oh, yes. Way smarter than I am. Oh, yes. And I've observed that, and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And it just gets to the point of, like, you just have to see the correct information and there is and but honestly there's not a lot of right information but there's a lot of wrong information oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh well speaking of success man what what got you uh starting the podcast honestly it had to do with entrepreneurial work yeah. i actually skateboarding Nice. Yeah, because uh, after a certain point i realized that i wasn't going to be able to live that lifestyle that i'd wanted with uh going and traveling the world and stuff like I just couldn't see, like I think more I think the correct way to say this I'm realizing as I'm saying it I didn't have the right tools at the right time to realize how to get those things to occur I'm not saying people can't do it it was just something that was outside of my understanding scope yeah. exactly the thing I switched to is I said well you know I want this kind of lifestyle and I want this kind of thing. And I want this kind of thing. And I had someone who presented me with an opportunity that said, Hey, if you do a, B and C, you can have this lifestyle that you want and you don't have to use that Avenue. You can use this Avenue to get there. Nice. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll try that. And I tried that for more than five years. And I think it was actually more like eight years. I tried, wow. I tried it. You know, I looked at when I first got started and doing stuff like that. And yeah. I was like, Cool. Like, I'm glad I did that for that long. And I realized a lot of stuff that didn't work. Yeah. For eight years. <laughs> you realize like, what doesn't work. Yeah. I was like, that's <laughs> failure. That looks like that doesn't work. That doesn't work. I tried pretty hard. Like, we're talking about collecting, talking person to person, hundreds of people that I wow. contacted, phone numbers, people I tried to follow up with. Like, it wasn't working for me, man. I didn't have the right tools at the right time to understand how to do things correctly. And I had a friend who said, hey, man, you should try this thing over here. This thing will help you with that thing. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll try that out. It'll help me with my original idea of wanting to live this lifestyle of skateboarding the way I want to and going in that direction. So I tried it out and I tried that and I actually did have a little success. You know, I got some residual checks going. I had some money that was coming to me. It was more or less like a, a sales type position, you know, nice. and it, it was good. And I, I was getting people interested and people were signing people up for things. And that was probably my first taste to sales, realistically nice. speaking. And it was cool because I spent probably two or three years not selling any, like I was, I had a, a, a position and, I, and they should have fired me a long time ago where I wasn't selling anything for like years. Wow. Yeah. I was just showing up. <laughs> just getting paid to show up. Yeah. That was basically the only thing I was doing, but I was trying, yeah. I was showing up and I was trying and that was probably yeah. the about the going back to, I was the kid on the crutches and people were doing it. They didn't have to do anything. I was trying though. Nice. And, uh, I was trying pretty hard <laughs> and I wasn't getting any success and it wasn't probably about two or three years that I sold my first item, and that was a really nice moment in my life. <laughs> a couple of years, wow. It took like three years before I sold my first item to, to a friend. Wow. It wasn't even like a difficult sale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like I was trying real hard. I was yeah. just talking to a friend that was nice enough to listen to me, and he's like, I'll check it out. I was like, cool. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, what was interesting is I started to sell more and started to sell more and got to the point where I was getting awards 
transfer selling wow. and I was out selling people, any, anyone else, honestly, in certain things. It wasn't like I was doing anything magical or anything. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, Whoa, he's selling blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, um, but I got to a point where I, I was, I would actually go up to strangers on the street and sell them books. Wow. Strangers on the street. So where that's a tough sell. It, it is a tough sell. And and I think I sold like 30 items that way. Like nice. when I was doing it, when I was in the groove, I didn't do it for very long. Yeah. And then I did um, different things. But the that whole thing started because I was, um, and then I was also doing the sales thing, like with, uh, I was being a sales representative for different companies. Um, and that's, and that's what led to the skateboarding thing, which led to this thing, which led to that thing, which led to this next thing. And in those slew of things, the thing that happened inside of the company that was promoting this thing, they were, they were selling this podcasting course. And I was on this one Zoom call, and they were like, okay, there's these types of stats. This is what podcasting can do. This is your listen rate. This is your potential of success. And I was like, cool, I'm all in. And so I paid Let's for do the, it. Yeah, I paid for the course. I probably spent a year studying it. I didn't need to spend that long studying it, but I studied it for a year. I would study it a little bit every day and I would get the bits and pieces mm-hmm. just enough. And then I recorded my first episode with a friend who was nice enough to sit down with me and talk with me. And I didn't even know if I was recording the episode as we were recording it. I didn't know if the audio was going to work. I didn't know if that person just wasted an hour of their life (laughs) talking into a waste, a wasteless machine. You know what I mean? Speaking of which, I forgot to hit record here. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny? (laughs) We were just having a really nice conversation yeah. that was cool man i'm gonna go now <laughs> it, it's actually happened to me once has it yeah dude i remember it it go was ahead. it was the I, I recorded the video the video was fine but it was it was before i had this mixer so i didn't have a backup of the audio and for oh. whatever reason for whatever reason we could hear each other but it wasn't actually recording <gasps> so when my guest left i was watching it and the video was fine but there was no audio I was like, wow. What did you do? I had to have them come back and redo oh, it. No. Did you have them basically watch the video to yeah. be like word lip everything? <laughs> <laughs> just try to remember what you were saying right there. For an entire hour. Yeah. Remember when you did that? And you just say the exact same thing so I don't have to do the video again. Yeah, no, it's embarrassing. Oh, yeah, let that, that happen to you. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I actually have that episode out now. Okay, and okay. I actually put video recording to uh, to put um uh, video to it as well. And it actually, I think it is probably one of my better things that I've produced. Nice, pretty hyped on it. Yeah, so I'm stoked on it, man. I gotta go back and check that out. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I I had a lot of fun making it, and I really enjoyed the whole whole part to it. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Well, what do you like best about podcasting? <laughs> so I've been really fortunate to find some really cool guests. I love all of it, man. I love the the challenge of growing a podcast because the courses I took, I paid for two different courses. Neither one of them that I didn't see parts in it that said, this is how you promote it. I mean, there were there were things where it's like, oh, you can do this or you can mm-hmm. do that to promote it. But I none of those, and maybe this is going back to like, not the right tool at the right time. Maybe I need to go back and look at those courses and say like, oh, what is the tool that I use to promote it? But at the time it was like, I didn't know how to promote it. And so I've finally gotten into the idea of like, oh, I can promote it this way, this way, this way, and this way. So I, I like came over that hump, like learning about podcasting was a hump. 
um, editing was uh, an entire thing that I all different thing. Man. Yeah, and I dreaded it initially. Yeah. I it was a real challenge for me to sit down. I w- the first time I did a, uh, an edit for my podcast, I was skipping over a lot of the material. Really? Oh yeah, I was just like, I can leave that in there. <laughs> yeah, I can leave that in there. I don't care about that. That can be said. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I just I didn't listen to a lot of it, and it took me probably more than a year to get in the groove of editing. Just, wow. just editing. Yeah. Like, so I've been podcasting now, I think for four, if not five years. Wow. And the first two years were just more learning. The third year was learning how to edit. The fourth year was understanding how to promote it a little bit. And the fifth year. I think that's where I'm at now is the promotion mm, part of it. Cause I mean, I'm constantly consistently putting out uh, content amazing content thank you appreciate that yeah. <laughs> especially this episode is great <laughs> good i'm glad <laughs> but yeah that, that's where i kind of struggle is the the promotion aspect of it and because mm-hmm. it is time consuming it's yeah. very time consuming so you've been doing it for four years now four or five years at this point yeah yeah in the fifth year i think is the point where going back to this idea of the tree being mm-hmm. evolved like the tree like the tree is there now I just need my roots to grow and more time to pass. Like I need to be, need, need the branches to Expand, spread. Yeah. Exactly. And then at that point I can see my production really taking off. Yeah. I'd really suggest anybody to go look at that James Clear Atomic Habits. Just look up, I think it's called the Valley of Depression. If you just type that in, you're going to see a, a, a visual representation of what that looks like. And in the book and in the audio, I mean, I've listened to that book in audio, I think, 15 times nice. like they we're talking about a book not just yeah like a 15 minute segment we're talking a yeah, whole like five like hours hour, we're talking about yeah. hours of education on this one of topic of habits um is uh he just has this beautiful graph and thinking of it in terms of once again not two months not, and that was kind of thing that threw me when i was reading the book because he's talking about how much time distinction you're supposed to use for that and he's saying like months weeks but i'm like thinking in years. So a lot of this stuff takes years for me. Some people pick it up faster. Recently in the past year, I started fasting and I don't know if anyone knows what fasting means, but it's basically where you stop eating for a a period of time, which can be any normally fasting is done. If you stop eating for like eight or more hours, let's just say, you know, and initially fasting was very hard for me. I couldn't not eat. Um, I couldn't, not have breakfast. Like I had to, I had to go to bed, eat food before I went to bed and eat food when I woke up. Like I was eating, I was eating a lot of of food Mm -hmm. and you got your body so used to that, that cycle. Yeah. Your body just wants it. needs it after a certain point. Exactly. And then over time I said, okay, I'm going to not eat until like 11. So we're making like a three hour difference. And this is taking me months. Like, and I'm irritated because I'm like, Oh, I want this to happen faster. You know what I mean? And time progresses, and then I'm not eating till, like, 12. And then I'm not eating till 1. And then I'm not eating till 2. And then I'm not eating till 3. I've gotten to the point where I can push myself to not eat until 6 p.m. the day before to the 6 p.m. to the next day. Wow. That's a lot for me. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Yeah, I have one... I, I have a few friends that I've connected with. Some of them say they don't have like periods where they don't eat for three days. I've had one friend. That's tough. Yeah. That's it's incredibly tough. tough. You can do liquids though, right? You can you drink can like water. 
Oh, that's and about it. Yeah, like it, it literally, you can drink like water, um, tea, and uh, coffee. It's clear, like clear stuff. Yeah, like it's basically no calories. So if you're not gotcha. consuming calories, that's the biggest point. Is it's you're not eating or drinking anything with calories in it, and and some there's this false information out there that says you can do it if you eat under fifty calories, but that's not technically that's true. Not really fasting, yeah, yeah, because everyone's body is different. If you get into the state which is called ketosis, that's what you're after, and the when you do that, what happens is you're you're getting to this place where you're not eating for a certain period of time and ketosis is when your body is starting to eat away at at its like the unnecessary fat in your body mm-hmm. it, it, to a certain degree and you you have to push not eating or drinking or having any calories for a certain amount of time for your body to be able to start doing that. Yeah, that's cool. I've heard there's, there's tons of benefits to fasting. So there's some people that actually do it once a month or, you mm-hmm. know, a couple times a year and just for like a cleanse. Just, yes. Yeah. yeah. Because digesting food all by itself is actually, it's a lot of work for your body. It's not in, it's not like, I think people might take it for granted at times because it's not like a, you don't actively do it. Yeah. yeah, you're not really thinking about it. You're like, I eat food. And yeah. My body handles the rest. It goes in here and goes yeah. out. <laughs> but um, what, I, what I've come to understand from talking with other professionals about this is it actually helps your chances of reducing cancer as well. Wow. Yeah, because what happens when you're fasting is you're, you're basically, we're talking, about a, we're talking about cells now in the body. And it's hard to think about cells because they're the teeniest, tiniest part in your entire body. You have, it's so abstract. Yeah, it's it's really hard oh, to yeah. think of how teeny tiny they are because you have brain cells, you have technically you have heart cells, you have you know like your skin is made of cells. And going back to numbers, if you think about, we have like you have a hundred cells, you have fifty, you have like two hundred cells, three hundred cells. We okay, so you have a hundred thousand cells is saying that you have a million cells is like one-tenth of how many you actually have because your body is made up of trillions. Trillions of cells. Trillions of cells. So it's just a really weird abstract number to think with, right? And what happens when you fast is you, when when your body is in ketosis, from what I understand, I want someone to correct me if I'm wrong on this because I like to make sure I'm getting the right information too. Right. That your body, the cells in your body are starting to your your body is eating away at those cells, and what happens when your body does that is it is also eating away mainly bad things. So you're getting you're getting rid of potential diseases in your body just from fasting. Wow. Yeah. So it's super beneficial for your body, uh, and it's also great for your wallet. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your self-control. Your <laughs> so, and that's what's funny is like, if you, if you want to save money, start fasting. Start fasting. <laughs> so it's financially better. <laughs> it's physically better. It's mentally better. I've had some of my clearest, happiest, I wouldn't say happiest, but definitely like mental moments. Like when I, when I've only had a cup of tea of green, really organic green tea for the day and I'm like thinking about stuff, my, it's, it's almost just like all that noise is just gone and I'm just like able to focus and look around. Cause honestly what I think that happens is when you're eating food for whatever reason, for me anyway, I start getting all these additional thoughts that come from like just from eating food, Mm -hmm. which is a really weird thing to think with. Yeah. Like salts change your, your 
chemistry in your body yeah. sugars do that too mm -hmm. and yeah i could see that yeah your brain works optimally when when it's not being influenced by anything like that that's a good way to put it i never thought of it like that yeah. but yeah i think you're right dude this is a great conversation i could i could sit yeah. here and talk for hours we've been going for two hours man two hours yes, sir dang yeah i i it's wouldn't recording i wouldn't <laughs> and still recording because <laughs> i want to make sure because that's, <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> oh man no, this is great, man, and um, I, I think we're gonna cap it here. But um, cool. yeah, that's, that's I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and telling your story, man. There's a lot of great stories, and you've gone through <laughs> some shit, dude. You've gone through <laughs> some shit. And I, I hope people out there can kind of relate and and you know kind of follow. <laughs> I hope not follow. <laughs> no, no, not follow. <laughs> Maybe just like provide just good, in, good influence. Yeah. Learn. Just yeah. learn from your mistakes. Yeah, you don't need to do. The, I did the school of hard knocks. It was fun. Let's not do it again. Oh, that's awesome. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. you already passed that. You're already a homeowner. Yeah, you're, you're, we you're did good. that. Yeah, no, yeah, I'm done being a thrill seeker for the moment. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting a little older too, so. <laughs> yeah, man. I just bought a paddleboard, so I'm pretty pumped on that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, think. I have an inflatable one that I've never used. Oh, I should have just called you. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Can I send the other one yeah, back? Right. <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> That's going to do it for us. Cool. Where can everybody find your stuff online, man? Where oh, are you? Thanks for asking. I would say if they looked up successful solutions on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, variety of other places, it's just the normal spelling, successful solutions. Solution. Yep, those two words. Easy. Um, you can also go to my website at iantolson.com, and you can get my free ebook on habits. And also one of the first episodes, which has not one of the first episodes, but has a story of a guy named Jimmy Roenick, who weighed over 400 pounds. And he talks about his life journey uh, for five years, how he lost 200 pounds. It's one of the most impactful, empowering stories of, um, of people that would just give up on. And he changed his life slowly very slowly and that's all going back to what this entire conversation has been about about planting your tree going in the right direction and i think he is a fantastic example of someone who can really show somebody else the grit and the willpower the, what it takes what yeah. it takes to really get through those harder points in life so that succeed is purely based off someone's definition him success was weighing just being an average body weight. Yeah. And when you hear his story, man, it's... You gotta get him on here, man. He's so good. Yeah. And he actually lives locally in Florida. Nice. He's an awesome dude. That's cool. Yeah. Great person. He's very just... He's It's like, it's like when you talk to him, it's like you're getting a hug from him. Nice. He's such a cool guy. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. yeah, make a perfect guest for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Jimmy, you're gonna be sent this, and now you have to come on here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And that is the next episode. It's on record. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks again, dude. Um, uh, Ian Tolson. Uh, for us, it's going to be at Blue Box Podcast. We're on Instagram and TikTok. We post little highlights of, of the podcast on there. If you don't have the full two hours to watch our, our conversation right. here. <laughs> Um, we also launched the, uh, the merch store. So if you want to get your Blue Box on, head over to shop.blueboxdigital.com. Um, yeah, that's it, man. Sick. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming by, dude. Yeah, man. I really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. And then, yeah, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you so much for watching.